Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I am your host. And today's episode is with Bobby Wintle. And if you don't know Bobby, he is half owner of District Bikes there in Stillwater, Oklahoma, along with his wife, Crystal. And they are also the co-founders of Mid-South Gravel, which was formerly called Land Run. I've been wanting to talk to Bobby pretty much ever since I started podcasting, but he's a very, very busy guy. He's pulled in every single direction possible, and he's kind of hard to nail down. But my motivation to interview him definitely increased after I interviewed Dr. Seth Wood on a previous episode. And I found out that that very first year that they held the Land Run 100, they donated a portion of the proceeds to Dr. Seth Wood and his recovery that he sustained when he was hit by a kid while he's commuting to work one day. And not only that, but they really continue to foster that relationship and bring Seth into the community and where he still is today. And it's just a beautiful story that shows the power of this community. And man, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I really, really, really want to talk to Bobby and talk we did. Um, he showed up with a very fine bottle of bourbon, and we literally just chatted for four hours. I'll tell you what, if you've ever wanted to hang out with Bobby at camp with a bottle of bourbon one-on-one -on -one, and just listen to him tell stories, this may be as close as you will ever get. Or maybe not. Maybe you'll catch him one day and, and have a four-hour conversation with him. But until then, I would invite you to pull up a chair, schedule a long bike ride, and join us as we weave in and out of stories from Bobby's life, his experiences running a gravel event during a pandemic, changing the name of Land Run, owning district bikes, and so on and so on. The truth is, is that Bobby has endless stories, and he's super passionate about this community, about bikes, about what he does. He's passionate about everything. He's just all heart. And this is why I love long-form conversations, because... It is through these that you really, really get a sense of who somebody is. Because if you sit down with somebody with a bottle of bourbon for four hours and you just talk straight up one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to find out really quickly who that person is. And um, I really, I'm a huge Bobby fan. I've met him a few times, but of course you don't really get to know somebody super well, just meeting him casually out and about. But uh, I got to tell you, man, guys, all heart. He's the real deal. And I'm so glad that he's on Team Bike. All right. Well, there is literally three and a half hours of Bobby and I talking. So I don't think there's much more I can add to that conversation. So let's move on to welcoming our newest sustaining patrons that have stepped up to be patrons of the show. Patrons are people who have signed up to donate on a monthly basis to help make sure that I can keep producing this show. I can keep traveling to go interview people like Bobby and Seth and Lael, Matt Mason, John Watson. I mean, the list goes on and on, but it all costs money, and I really, really, really can't do it without y'all. So let's give a huge shout out to Johnny Brazil, Russell Harris, Alan Boardman, Chris Langford, David Bell, and Bryce Webster. And the great thing about all of these names is I think I got them all right which makes me happy. Seriously, thank you guys so much for stepping up to be sustaining members of the podcast and getting us closer to reaching our goal, which is hiring me to be the full-time podcaster of the Bikes for Death podcast. 
for the last few years, I've been doing this in my spare time and I'm really wanting to ramp up and make Bikes or Death my full-time job and really give it the reverence that it deserves. And you'll get the reference to that reverence later in this podcast. But it really is something I've been pouring my heart and soul into. And I've said it a million times, but the reality is that I can't do it without y'all. I've always envisioned this as a community effort and y'all have been truly stepping up big time. So if you'd like to help get us closer to the goal of making this my full-time job, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Now, while we're here talking about Patreon, I do want to let you know about a very new episode that was just released for patrons only. It's a new segment of the show called the Bikes or Death After Party, and we're going to be going back and talking to previous guests and giving you an opportunity to interact in real time. So while I was in Stillwater, Oklahoma, I circled back around with Dr. Seth Wood. We met there in District Bikes and did a Facebook Live and allowed patrons to come in, ask questions, and interact in real time. So that episode is available now for patrons only. And we have another one coming up soon with Andrew Honormaw. So if you don't want to miss the next after party with Andrew Honormaw, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash bikes or death and literally sign up for only a dollar a month. It's that cheap and that easy. I wonder if that's what people will say about me. Cheap and easy. Okay, and I do want to tell you about a couple new items that we have over at the Bikes or Death store. Uh, we have in stock now the 9-ounce titanium flask and some Ride Your Damn Bike pennants. These are like little flags that you can hang up wherever, in your bathroom, your bike shop, your office, wherever you need the motivation to remind yourself to always go ride your damn bike. You can find those over at bikesordeath.com. Just click on the store and you can find those items and so much more. Thank you for shopping. All right, everybody, that's it. Let's get to our conversation with Bobby Wintel. Settle into a long bike ride or buckle up for this one because we are going deep. Let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Yesterday, I was at Brown's Bottle Shop, Stillwater, Oklahoma, and uh, they just brought in this Widow Jane. If you know anything about Widow Jane, they take like unbelievable bourbon and they take it to New York and they use this unbelievable water that they distill it with. And um, so it's aged, this is a 10 year Widow Jane. So we just cracked that. And then also, my good friend Keith Smith, uh, Keith from down in Texas, down in Glen Rose, Texas. Um, I had dinner with him and Ruth and Lydia, um, his daughters tonight. They're in town because of Free Wheel. Oklahoma Free Wheel is happening right now. The ride across the state, it's very similar to Ragbri. Um, it's the same thing as Ragbri, basically. So if you know what that is, supported cross-state ride, they have a gravel option. That's beautiful and amazing. And um, they've only been doing that for a couple of years. And then they also have the, the road tour, right? Like the standard, like sure. straight up camp at night or inside high schools and stuff like that. But anyway, Keith is an unbelievably beautiful human being. 
and he always brings me stuff. And he brought me this cap maker, bourbon whiskey, and it's so good. We've had it once before. It's from Texas, of course. It's from Houston. Oh, speaking of Houston, real quick. Yeah. Uh, shout out. Pat Smith, the Pativist. Yeah. Is my homie. Yeah. And I anyway, know. he was like, throw me a shout out. So, Pat, this is for you. I love you. <laughs> he is one of the most hardcore, like, OG part of the crew, but from Houston. And then also, of course, we cannot forget Travis DuBose, but I call him Travis Dubois. And Travis. Is it DuBose? It, I thought it was Dubois. I mean, I, I think it's DuBose, but. It's it's D U B O S E, and so Travis, if I'm if I'm messing this up, like my bad, homie. But yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's Debose, and um, yeah, his father-in-law and mother-in-law, Tyson and Kathy Brannion, are in Cushing, Oklahoma, and that's how we met because Tyson rides bikes, and he got a Bianchi from us. It's beautiful Bianchi. He loves it, Celeste. Tyson also rides this Eddie Merckx that's black and pink that we rebuilt with Campy that we finally talked him in Austin at the shop, talked him into a couple years ago. But anyway, we're ultra good homies um so anyway shout out to the houston crew we're drinking soon this cat maker houston bourbon whiskey which is going to be sick even though bourbon only comes from kentucky so so whatever. this is, this is whiskey then well it's, it does say bourbon on the bourbon. bottle but we're gonna well so the qualification to be bourbon i believe is that it has to be aged in a white a charred white oak barrel in kentucky it has to be in kentucky <laughs> no, that, i'm just joking i don't know <laughs> i've just heard it a few I times think, i think you know more than no, I, I actually do, so don't i think i'm gonna people, defer to your expertise it's one of those things it's like it's just i think it's one of those very like we are known for this it's a pride thing and so so yeah yeah but you're, well, I don't you want to step on Kentucky's toes. No, me neither, dude. <laughs> I don't want any shit with Kentucky. No, 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 hell no. <laughs> yeah, Pat Smith. He, uh, I know, I know. Uh, I've never met the Pativist. He sent me. Um, you some, haven't? No, I've never met him. But uh, I mean, we're friends lights. on uh, Instagram, and he sent me uh, uh, water bottles and yes. uh, uh, stuff before. And the deliberate, he was actually the deliberate f- stuff. Yeah, deliberate. Yeah, and he was actually the first I posted uh, that we were we were. This is good. His widow Jane. Sorry, I just had to look at Patrick in the face with like, you know, the holy shit, this is Yeah, are you tasting this too? It's so good, dude. So the good. widow Jane is off the charts. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, I almost, bottle shop. almost uh regret putting ice in it. Yeah, no, don't. It's, I think I messed I think I messed up. I don't think so. It was have, so smooth I didn't it didn't need it at all. We have more time. Yeah. We have more time. Sorry, I, I interrupted it was, you about it was a short pour. Patrick. No, I was just saying that uh, he was the first person to to like that we were we were um hooking up tonight and uh, chatting for the podcast. Heck yeah. Well, listen, man, uh, for me, this has been a long time in the making. I've been really wanting to sit down and chat with you for years now. And it's funny because as I've gone around and like, hey, how can I get a, you know, an interview with Bobby and what do I got to do to, you know, get Bobby to sit still for five seconds and talk. And everybody's response was exactly the same. Good luck. Really? And, And not in a, you're an asshole way. No. In a, you're really busy and you don't sit still very well. Um, 100% true, man. Is that true? 100% true. Yeah. And it's just been ramping up. I I honestly think it had been ramping up all the way up to the pandemic. And 2019, my friend Jens, shout out to Jens, Denmark, his whole crew, his family, Molly, Freya, and Anton, his kiddos, um, his girlfriend, Jane. Anyway, sorry. This is the last time I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Jens is amazing. I met him. Just know that Bobby wants to name every single <laughs> one of you by name. <laughs> Jens, Jens is from Colding, Denmark. Yeah. And the dirty, the, the dirty Uland or the, 
Bastikulan is dirty Jutland. Um, and they've been doing their race now for three years, I believe. And it's um, a bunch of different distances, but they finally did an, they did an XL um, after the oh, cool. XL started happening up yeah. at Emporia. And um, they invited me to come. And I was like, Denmark? I've never been. The only time I'd been out of the country was the Tour Divide um, with Dr. Seth Wood in 2016. And when we went to Canada, that was the first time. I'd never been to Europe. Never been you know, what have always dreamt of going. Yeah. I still haven't either. Oh. I haven't even been to Canada. Oh, so you yeah. got me beat. Oh man. We could talk. This could I know be I'm missing podcast. out. This but... could be the whole podcast. So, <laughs> but we, I won't let it be, but man, Oogie, Oogie's a race promoter. Jens was helping with the race a lot. And Jens was like, dude, get yourself to Chicago, get to Chicago. And then I will, I've got all the po- points from all the travel that I do. And uh, I'll get us two tickets. I'll meet you in Chicago. Cause he was about to fly home for like the, the last time, basically he'd been on assignment through his work in the States for 11 years, almost 12, Virginia, Chicago. And, um, it was time for him to go back. And of course, immediately I said, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. I want to, I want to go, I'm going to fly with my moots. We're going to do 275 miles starting at, I think we started like 6 PM, 4 PM. I can't remember. When was this right before the pandemic? April, not 2019. So it was okay. about a year. Yeah. A, yeah, right yeah, about yeah, a year, year yeah. 11 months before. No <laughs> clue, dude, no clue. Sure. So I've never flown internationally. I've never flown over the Atlantic. So I borrow Bailey Newbury's old station wagon, the Bonneville. Seth had bought it for like 500 bucks. And it's blue with this beautiful wood grain. And Bailey had drove, drove it down from Chicago. And then he sold it because he bought this sick Astro van that he has now. And uh, Seth's like, yeah, dude, take it. It's ready to go. So I just drove no cruise control. Like, dude, shagging wagon, like big blue, late 80s, whatever. And, uh, man, I drove all the way to Chicago, got myself uh, one of those super cheap hotels that you can find, like nice hotels downtown, by myself, took myself out, met my friend Taylor Weichman, took took me to Hamilton in Chicago on Broadway. I'd never been to a Broadway show, but, dude, I was in, like, musicals in high school, and I was in the show choir, and, you know, and then I got into bands when I was 15, and, yeah, so, I mean, I was just like, I didn't know anything about Hamilton. I knew everyone was into the music. I hadn't listened to it. I was one of the ones that was like, I don't understand that everyone has it memorized. But then we went, and then I, I lost my mind. That was two days before flying to Denmark. And then, yeah, man, flew over there, SAS Airlines, business class, because I guess Jens is... That's how he's. That's how he throws down. That's how you party. I know how you party, Jens. You're the best ever. And then we spent 12 days in Denmark, and we lived in his apartment, and we rode 27 hours, 275 miles up the west coast of the Yulan Peninsula, which is not the same spot that Copenhagen's on, but it's across the way. They have three islands, and dude, we just rode next to the ocean. Is that kind of how you live your life as a person that says yes when opportunities like come up and? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like you are. Dan- okay, so here's another story. Let's hear it. So one of my biggest influences aesthetically in the, the dirt bicycle road scene, in the, in the gra- let's just call it gravel because that's like what we are calling it now and whatever. That's a whole other conversation. I've fought so hard to just like give it one definition, one name, gravel, like gravel racing. Yeah. Like, no, it's like these are events. Anyway, I have a whole ethos behind that too, but one of my biggest influences early on before land run was a thing also i'm going to refer to it as land run as in the past yeah and then in the and then the present 
from when we changed the name to now is Mid South. So I was actually going to ask you how you like to refer to it um, just yeah. in conversation. It was Land Run, it was. and now it is Mid South. And the Land Run of 1889 and, and other ones as well it actually happened, and that's yep. what they were named. Land Rush yep. is also a word that was used a lot to uh, as the event name. So anyway, that's how in, in the conversation. If it was a time frame of the, of then, that's uh, you know I say LR one hundred two, but yeah, Land Run Mid South. Yep, they're one and the same, but they are phonetically different now. Right, <laughs> and we'll get into that <laughs> the name change later. So before the race even happened, um, Chris Scogan, the Almanzo Almanzo one hundred specifically. Are you familiar? I'm yeah. Okay, so Chris was one of the OGs. Like he started the same year that that DK started, that DK two hundred started. And it was the year after Trans-Iowa started. And what year was that? 2005 was the very first Trans-Iowa across the state. Mark Stevenson, Guitar Ted, started it. And Joel Dyke and Jim Cummins were there. And they were like, we can do this. And we don't have to do it across the state. Which Trans-Iowa later turned into a loop also, 340 miles, um, 34 hours, 10 mile an hour pace. So they took that same format and... The Flint Hills death ride had been going on, which I didn't know about this at all, but it was an 80-mile ride. I think they had a 50 and an 80, mm. and then there's an option for 20 more if you're, like, crazy. But apparently the death ride has crazy, sick, pre-DK, like, wild stories, dude. Flint Hills just... I mean, think about the bikes back in 20... Like, that was, a, <laughs> that was before Trans-Iowa. So, I mean, like, early 2000s, late 90s, there were no gravel bikes, you know? Like, there were yeah. cyclocross bikes for sure. Mountain bike. Yeah, no disc brakes on drop bars. Yeah. Like, sick. Yeah, pretty gnarly stuff. We should throw a race. We're doing okay. We're gonna throw a throwback gravel dirt yeah. r- road race, and you cannot have discs. I love it. Let's go. Or just yeah, nothing. You know, earlier than 1980 or something like right. that. I just think just pre-disc brakes. Pre-disc brakes. Yeah, it makes it rim easy. brake has to be rim brake. Yeah. You asked me a question about saying yes. This is my. This is how I answer questions, dude. I'm sorry, my brain like re- lo- short story long. <laughs> I, I can relate. My my brain is a wonderland. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> John Mayer. Shout out. I don't know John Mayer. That'd be sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, Chris. Chris and I had never met, and I had been crushing hard on Almanza 100, um, Toby DePaw, Gravel Metric. If you look up Gravel Metric, you do every, everyone do yourselves a favor. Get on YouTube, look up Gravel Metric, and the Gravel Metric in DeKalb, Illinois, had the best marketing videos ever made trek bicycle was using them in their dealer showcase shows at trek world to show people how they should market events as a bike shop so north central cycler toby your homie of mine i love you so much dude huge huge inspiration from toby and toby knew chris and so i'm at qbp quality bicycle products at frost bike very first time ever 2013 two weeks before the very first land run elliot my son had just been born so he was a couple months old and we're at this private party. All City always throws parties at these things. And All, All City had rented this unbelievable architecture downtown, like his, this loft pad of this archi- architect. And they're, dude, like their bikes being displayed. Uh, the Macho Man disc had just come out and they had it up on a pool table and there was a DJ in the corner and the place was packed. And Toby is like, dude, Skogan's here. And I'm just kind of like immediate fanboy, like, no way. Are you serious? So I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to meet him. Like all the stuff Almanza's doing, the way it looks, the way it feels, all of it, the roads, the branding, the website, the 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 language, I'm in love. And so 
I get to meet Chris and he's super tall, shake his hand. And I'm just like, dude, I, my name's Bobby. I'm throwing this race. It's in two weeks. We've got 120 people from nine states in Canada. First year. I can't believe it. You're a huge inspiration. I just want to say thanks. And then we just start talking. And then I don't know how, but Chris was like, I want to tell you this story that someone told me one time about how to take care of people and like how to, how to basically like an ethos of like how to handle yourself and like how to communicate and how to connect. And he said, this guy walks into a bar, sits down, asks the bartender, Hey, can you make me this drink? And they're like, no. Bartender says, no, unfortunately we don't, we don't do that. He's like, oh, okay. It's no big deal. Well, how about, how about this drink? How about this? And he's like, oh man, no, we don't have that either. And he's like, okay, well, how about, how about this one? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. Don't make that one either. The guy says, all right, I just asked you for three drinks and all you said was no. What you should have said is, no, don't make that drink, but you know, something that's similar to it is this and I can make you this. Or you know what I'm really good at making? I bet you would like this. No matter what, no matter what, the answer is yes. What's the question? Oh. The answer is yes. What's the question? The only thing that that bartender told that customer was no. There was no but. The answer is actually yes, and I will get you something wonderful, and we can make this happen. So, yes, dude, I say yes all the time. Too much. To a fault. It, <laughs> I, I guarantee it's hurt relationships in my life. It's also afforded me some of the most incredible relationships that I could have never have had if I hadn't said yes. And, and given me experiences that I would have never had, but put people in my life that I would have never been able to meet. And yeah. so, yeah, dude, it's, I say yes all the time. Sorry, that's a super long story, but. No, I like it. I appreciate there's it. There's a lot of information there. Well, thank and, you for saying yes to this interview. Cheers again. Many time, many uh, years in the making. Cheers. I'm flattered too, by the way. Man, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm flattered that you're flattered then. <laughs> <laughs> your it's, just, it's, it, it's exciting to get to know you so well your work is awesome and and the work you're doing with this podcast and the way that you are going about it dude and the way that you present it and you're letting people the way that you interview people is is it's pretty spectacular you're doing a really good job well thanks man you're welcome yeah i, I feel like i'm just a fan uh with a microphone and uh you know people are willing to share their stories and I'm a, you know, if you put me in a room, if you put me in the type of environment that you seem to thrive in, in front of a lot of people and we, you know, with some spotlight or whatever, I mean, you were in a band, all this stuff, right? So you probably have some, some comfortability there. Oh, yeah. It seems like me on the other hand, this is where I feel comfortable. If you put me in that situation, I'll clam up and I'll just sit there on the wall and kind of watch. And I'm working on yeah. overcoming that Good. and especially like stepping into this role of, you know, the podcast and all the things that it could lead into and all that. But you know, that's my my own i don't naturally gravitate towards that right but i do really enjoy just sitting down and getting to know people and fortunately other people i guess are interested in getting to know people too and i think as we do we we draw closer to one another and not further apart and ultimately that's what i love about absolutely podcasting is that you know at the end of the day we're just two guys and you know whatever i may think of you coming in we're gonna um, get a chance to just um, actually get to know each other and uh, you can't really replace that with anything else you know i totally agree so before we get too far in the weeds let's start out with something more uh, recent i wanted to ask you about your first time to ever get to race your own oh, race man yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean i never ever ever thought it was going to happen the one time that I did think that it was going to happen previously that no one knows about was 2017. 
and we had as a crew so we got a really we have a really really badass committee that is you know consists of trevor stewart Miles stevens brett stevens sally turner crystal wintle and myself that is the core group that puts on the mid-south and we have been doing it now i don't remember what year they they were all brought into the fold on the periphery of that too is kurt o dykes um and of course, Tyler Seams, Austin Turner, Seth Wood, the whole shop crew, Graham Brassfield, um, lots of people. So not actually, I take that back, not lots of people. Yeah. And we're all young, you know, and and now I guess we've been doing this, dude, almost 10 years. So I guess we've been doing this a while, but it doesn't feel like it. It still feels like it's an absolute privilege. And so it, anyway, again, there we go. I'm going down a rabbit hole. So I'm going to lose sight. 2017, I just, the reason I bring up those people is because Curdo in particular was is the person that I think of first whenever I think about this moment, because we were like, if it's bad again, because dude, we had just come off 2015 and 2016. And if you know anything about those land run years, people walked eight miles within the first 20, mm. eight. And at mile soul crusher, dude, dude, and mile seven on 68th, both years, we had like two to 300 derailers break on the same stretch of road. Like, all the, together, bam, 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 because the mud would just accumulate and they could descend, but then they would start to climb and then it would get caught and the derailers just snap, 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 snap. They, there were so many people hiking on that road those years that they went up onto the grass on the side of the road and created a completely new path and cut the grass and it was gone like all summer. I think I remember pictures of that actually. Yeah. Yeah, the, the workaround. I want to I wanna admit something real quick. Yes. For your benefit, and maybe people listening as well, I definitely know more about bikepacking than the world of gravel. Okay. You know, aware of it, obviously. Very aware of, you know, the periphery of it. But I, myself, am not much of a racer. I love to watch the races and and all that. Yeah. But, uh, but just so you know, I mean, you can't like over explain things to me and and I'm, I'm interested to kind of learn more about, um, what y'all have going on here. Cause honestly, like, man, I was just up here like three or four weeks ago. And as soon as I was driving away, I immediately regretted it and started planning a trip to come back. So anyway, not to cut you off, but I won't. No, not at all. Actually, it's funny you say that because dude, I just, I just got the phone with uh, my friend, Anthony. Croft and he was like, oh, he's like, Patrick's back? He's like, he was just here. And I was like, I know, man. I was like, this is awesome. Like, he's at McMurtry and it's awesome. He's already back. Like, let's go. So yeah. it's cool. There's something in the water, man. I wanted to come back and yeah. uh, and and hear some more about it. So yeah, yeah. Your, your first okay. land run. All right. Yes. Or your first mid My first mid So, but what would have been, we were, so, oh, yeah, those, so, so the, the 15, 16 was just atrociously bad. Like so bad. Um, t- terrible finish rates, like 30%. And then 2017 comes around and the forecast is awful. And we gather around, the team kind of gathers around, like we're talking all week, you know, and I'm like, somebody threw out the idea. I think, I think it was Curto. I think that's why he comes to mind. Maybe not. Maybe it was Seth. Maybe it was Brett. Maybe it was Trevor. Maybe it was Crystal. I don't remember who. <laughs> and they were like, if it's super bad, maybe you should just line up and ride with everyone. And not be at the finish line. Like as a as a sign of solidarity? Yeah. As a sign of like, I will do this with you too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're I in will, this together. I will not send you out there without also putting myself through the same. Yeah, I dig it. And it was tight. And it was really, really cool. And it was, we were talking about like, yeah, I was going to kit up like underneath my clothes and like hide it all and have my bike. And we talked and talked. And then literally the morning of, we decided that I had to be at the finish line. That that made was more important 
and not from like a marketing standpoint or yeah. just because people expected me to be at the finish when they got done. While, while we're here, let's, let's talk about that for so a I, second. So I didn't do it. Yeah. So I did this one and we can come back to it. Let's yeah. Let's. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. But what, what is that finish line like and why is that? Oh man. Why is that such an important role? I mean, I, I kind of know, but tell sure, me, sure. tell me why that is so important. Why is it so important for you to be right there at the finish? And obviously, this isn't for you. Well, but I bet you get a lot out of it, though. I'm I gonna mean, just let you answer the question. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, actually, to be honest with you, like, I'm like, it makes me like tear up a little bit to even sit here in a moment of quiet with just like bugs in the background out at Lake McMurtry and be able to think about what that feeling is like to be at that place and that time with those humans like it it's amazing it's amazing and it came out of a completely organic place a completely natural place the first year the first year we had 14 people make it through unscathed like unscathed like no mud hmm. and this huge headwind had been coming out of the south all day do 30 miles per hour sustained to Kearney. So Kearney, Oklahoma was our first two two years. And it was basically 59 miles into a headwind. And it was just, it was ridiculous, dude. It made people, if people were falling apart. I had to call an ambulance for a guy, Brian, this guy, Brian, at the halfway. I remember. At the halfway. I had to call an ambulance for Brian again the next year at the finish line of the 100. But Brian... Only made it halfway the first year, but the second year he made it, and then we had to call the ambulance. And hey. I told Brian, I said, Brian, we're not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> he just needed an IV. He was okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but That's a funny story, though. It's totally true, actually. <laughs> Same guy. And I was like, oh, no, it's happening again. <laughs> and it was like, but you finished. It was sick. So uh, anyway, man, I went to Kearney for the halfway point. That's the only year, only time I've ever gone to the halfway, ever. It was year one. And I was there, and we were running around like crazy, and Austin, our service manager, was riding it in it that year. And anyway, I got back to the finish line, and that's all we had. We only had the 100-mile race the first year. Second year, we had the 50-mile, we added the 50-mile non-competitive, but the first year was just 100. 120 people, no, dude, we had no GPS, we had course markings, and we had cue sheets, for the first 50 and cue sheets, you got the second half at the next one. Because that's how that's how it was done, dude. Yeah. Did you know that? No. Oh, yeah. Trans-Iowa was, was ran that way forever. You could have your GPS unit, but you did not have the GPS route. Okay. And you did cue sheets, mile markers, no course markings, 340 miles, nonstop. You can't sleep, 10 miles an hour. Crystal's done it two times, wow. dude. Twice. Hey, she said she'd talk to me. Awesome. One day. Awesome. Yeah, anyway. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... She's uh, done some amazing shit. Yeah. Well, I love to highlight the women uh, as well. Of course. Um, yeah, make sure that we hear all sides. Yes. So I get back downtown and I realize like, all right, these people are headed back. And dude, the storm front was coming and we were watching it. And when, when the storm front showed up, they went from 30 mile an hour headwind to no tailwind. So all the work everyone did... <laughs> yeah, didn't get a payoff. No payoff. And then it hit mile 80 which was famously now famously known as triple x road triple x x x road that's how the sign it's like triple x x x capital x <laughs> it's my one of my absolute favorite roads i've ever ridden in my entire life and it it turned it into what we know our roads can be turned into unrideable complete hike a bike disaster and broken bikes everywhere and we didn't have 
well, we only had 120 people and we had a few friends that we knew had Jeeps and, or not Jeeps, but trucks and Subarus, but we didn't have the Jeep club yet. We didn't have the SAG support set up. We got 14 people come through and man, when those people were coming through something inside of me, just, I mean, it just exploded. Like I didn't know, I didn't know that, that was gonna I was going to feel this much excitement for people finishing the, the, the race that we put together and they were pushing themselves so hard and for no prize for no money just because it existed. How much of your reaction was based on the reaction that they were having finishing? Oh man. Going through war, it sounds like just a war of attrition it all was, day. It and, was wild. Yeah. It was wild. I was just like, I'd, I've ridden hard stuff. The year before was my first DK 200. I was, and I did it in 2012. I did it in 16 hours and seven minutes. It was my first double century. And I just rode my very first century that May before. I rode from Stillwater to Ardmore and did 166 mile solo day on mostly dirt in the rain also <laughs> that's the first time i ever saw triple xxx road on that route that i made and so yeah i don't know man i think it was just oh it was it was symbiotic they were coming down the road and the way we've always done the finish line from duck duck street you're riding north on duck and you make that right hand turn onto seventh something that a lot of people may not think about from duck to the courthouse and then right down basically to the shop is a, is a really beautiful, small, like shat, like gradual downhill. Not big, but just enough to make you feel good <laughs> every single time you ride it. And I've always known that. Yeah. And I've always been like, this is the perfect way to finish a ride. People do like the hill climb things and it's like soul crushing. And, yeah. and, and it's funny, you know, like they, they finish and they're just like, oh, I'm in, you know, coming up a hill or dirt thing. They, some people have to walk and it's, kind of cool but honestly no like i want to finish like with wind at my back yeah i want so to finish you can lift like, your bike above your head or yeah. you know celebrate a little just not completely dead yeah man so like, other than brian yeah right, <laughs> right. sorry brian yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so dude they just roll in and it's it's phenomenal and so I, I mean i just i just i gave every single person that finished that year a hug and, and it was just completely out of all the stoke and love that I could possibly muster out of my soul for these yeah. people. And they were feeling it too. So then after the 14 came through clean after that, then it became like, I never knew our roads could be this way because I had never ridden in them in the mud really, except for that one time. I just thought, Oh, that was a fluke. You know, I just didn't, I, I hadn't been here in Oklahoma long enough because we moved from Emporia um, where I went to college, but I'm from Parsons, Kansas originally. So 21 years of my life, I was in, Southeast Kansas, Parsons, Kansas, and moved in Poirier. So anyway, Oklahoma, I just didn't know. I didn't realize that the the, the red dirt roads would just turn into this unbelievably impassable. And if you're like most one. people, you probably don't like seek it out whenever it's just pouring down rain and right. go out on a bike ride. You know, you're like, right. oh, it's nice out. I'll go for a ride. Right. The Ardmore <laughs> ride, I knew it was raining, but I planned it all. And my yeah. friend that lives in Ardmore, Greg, my super homie, Greg, Greg is the guy that plays guitar with me at, at the, the riders meetings at Mid-South, the run, riders and runners meetings. So he's a, uh, We've been in, we were in, in your honor together all through college. And, um, anyway, Greg works at Sherman Williams. So I was that first century back in May I, of 2012. I rode that 166 miles, went up over the Arbuckle Mountains. I'm sure you've driven through the Arbuckle Mountains on the way up here on I 35. So you go through that little oh, yeah. big mountain range and they have, now they have all the windmills on it. So I rode oh, yeah. up and over those oh, and yeah. then into Ardmore, 11 hours, had this big tailwind all day. But dude, the mud was, I just did, I was like, I left at 3 a.m. And I'm just, I rerouted after I got to Choctaw because I ended up in Choctaw and I just looked like a mud monster, dude. I was covered. I'd been walking for like a mile 
ankle deep. It was so, so sick. So sick. So anyway, what? Sorry, I'm getting off topic. No, 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 you're good. Uh, <laughs> has rough conditions kind of, again, being not 100% familiar, I know that, you know, rough conditions are a part of it. it has that become like part and parcel to what people expect when they come to Mid-South? I absolutely think so now. Yeah. Because I know whenever you were talking about, you know, going back to doing your own race for the very first time, the conditions were pretty rough. And, yeah. And you were commenting, yes, this is what I want. I wanted to get the full experience. Yes. And so that led me to believe, okay, this is kind of like what you come to expect if you come here to race. 100%. You have to be, you hope for the best, you plan for the worst. Yeah. And that's Mid-South all the way. Okay. Because at a moment's notice... The 100% chance of rain, like in 2014, so year two, we had a 100% chance of rain all week, even the morning of the race. This huge thunderstorm hit the very, very edge of the course, so southwest of town, out by Triple XXX and, and Langston and all that, out by Coil, Langston, and all those places out there, these beautiful little towns, and the storm split, and it crushed Oklahoma City and, and, and the eastern side of that, and, and then and hit Tulsa. And lightning, thunder, whole thing. Course didn't get touched. Wow. I had like, man, I had like forty percent of our participants not show up this, that this year because they the, they were terrified. Oh, right, just scared yeah. of the weather. Yeah. They knew what they were going to get right. into. They're right. like, nope, tapping because out. They, they knew of the <laughs> not of everyone besides the fifteen, and and that the finish rate of of those fourteen, fifteen people the first year was so low, dude. Nobody was prepared for this. So the time of year here does it lend itself to more erratic yeah. weather behavior? I mean, I know this time. is kind of like. Tornado Alley and, uh, right? I mean. I picked the time. Yes, absolutely, dude. I mean, severe thunderstorms, whole bit. That's that's a little bit into now. Honestly, like the severe, severe thunderstorms, really. But it, the, the scary, not scary, but like the crazy part about Mid-South is that in March, it can be really cold too. But also it's already spring. So like, it's just a toss up. Right. But statistically, right now, the only dry years, so we've had, tw so this was year nine, so 2013, we had rain at the end. 2014, completely dry. 2015, it rained the night before, and that's when the conditions are the worst. People have no idea. But it, on that year, it was the beginning of the course, not the end. Same with 2016 to Perry, wet. 2017, when I didn't ride, if everyone remembers, we had a 13% finish rate. It was supposed to be in the 40s. No one was prepared. It never got above 40. It dipped down to 36 degrees in rain. And we had 13% finish rate. We had 100 people go to the hospital for hypothermia. And we had Jeeps running hundreds of miles, oh hundreds gosh. of, leaving bikes out on the road, picking them up later, just so we could get more people into the Jeeps, into the, yeah, it, Kuat, without asking, Kuat, shout out to Kuat right now, by the way. They've been a sponsor of the event since year one. They've they've brought beer in their truck from Springfield, Springfield Brewing Company. They've got their own Kuat beer. They, they sponsored the beer a couple of years before we had the, the Mid-South IPA or the, the Land Run Pale Ale that we had originally. And uh, from Iron Monk, dude, Kuat's phenomenal. They, they took their van and just went out and started pulling people off the course. What was that like for you as the event uh, creator? I mean, do you, do you feel the weight of all that? Of course. Every moment. Every moment. So how do you prepare riders for that, right? You, you just... You give them all the tools you can, but at the point that we're at now, with the numbers that we're at now, it's up to them. Yeah, It's up to them to research. It's up to them to understand. We can say it all day long. 
But until people are here, they just don't know. Yeah. And then when they do know, that's cool because it changes you because it makes you think about, it gives you a reverence. And that's something that we don't have for very many things anymore. We have access to entertainment at our fingertips of anything we want. Television shows from the 80s, movies that haven't been released yet, information about products that's not even out yet, patents that companies are buying years in advance before the product's even released. And we can look all this up on our phone. So like the idea of reverence and the idea of like respect and, and like humility, humility and patience is gone. Mm -hmm. And so we can't prepare you. You must want it yourself, period. And you must want to give yourself wholly to the idea that this, this event could potentially show you something you didn't know you were capable of doing and also show you a landscape that you didn't realize existed. That is right here in the middle of the, of the country and and just right in our backyard like dude thousands of miles we haven't even tapped the surface of how many miles and miles that. of roads that we have every that. every direction two miles from the downtown center from district bicycles every direction two miles we're on dirt right away and then it just goes that's something that I was thinking about last time I was here that's so interesting as you look at towns like Emporia, Kansas and Stillwater, Oklahoma and, you know, Bentonville. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, what is it about? And even like Brevard, North Carolina, like oh, man, it's like, what been. are what are all these like little towns, you know, these like little epicenters for like the cycling community? And it occurred to me that you have like a decent sized city and then you have nothing outside of it so you can easily <laughs> access everything that you know you want to be riding and that's yeah nice bro is that okay oh yeah of course i want to blind you at all here let's do this like that is, oh, that, is that better damn is that son. better yeah that's like really good we're using the bourbon to block my flashlight on my phone it's and, a bourbon light and it's turned into this bourbon lantern <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite nice i'm going to use this in my daughter's bedrooms yes. for a nightlight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink this honey <laughs> no no don't drink it <laughs> the lid is sealed i will know yeah good good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it kind of just dawned on me it makes sense it's like it needs to be in places like this it can't be I in know. like major urban centers it's no. got to be these little kind of communities that have more opportunity even in texas with all the land we have it's way more populated once you get outside i mean I mean, you just don't get what you get out here. It's mind-blowing. Tomorrow when I wake up, I'm fucking riding around, Hell you know? yeah. Go, baby. Go. Oh, I'm it. going. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what direction. It I doesn't. Know no, you're right. McMurtry, you don't even have to. It's right here. Yeah, I'm in it. So, all right. Let's talk about your yes. first time to get to race your, your own race. I really want to hear what that experience was like for you to really get to, like, experience it for the first okay. time. Man, it was surreal. I mean, number one, pandemic's still happening. Like, masks are still a thing. So, I mean, we're in the shop. Everyone's masked up. We had said we're doing a non-virtual event. We don't want you traveling here. We want to protect our community. We want to protect you. We want to protect ourselves. We don't have all the answers. We're not doctors. (laughs) This is crazy. We don't know how to handle this. We've been running a retail store for a year in this mess, and we had no clue that we were going to be in this mess a year after the fact. And we've learned so much along the way. And so we're like, you know, here are the partner shop routes. Stay in your own in your own backyard. Do your, we're having the local homies of that space come up with the roads, come up with the routes that are Mid-South approved because we trust them. Yeah. And like 
we wanted to give people opportunity to do that. Super great idea, by the way. Thank you, The man. super socially distanced mid-South Inc- gravel. That was all Sally. Sally, Sally Turner. Incredibly socially distanced. Incredibly she, wonderful. She said, we're not doing a virtual. I said, no, not doing a virtual yes. event. We're not staring at a computer. We're not creating anything for people to stare at their screens at to do. Yeah. And she was like, it's incredibly socially distanced. And that's I was so like, smart. that's it. Yeah. That's so it. smart. So we went for it. You should it was, hire her. Oh, yeah. No, Sally's full-time. I'm kidding. It was yeah, a- oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, you know this. <laughs> I'm thinking about hiring her. Actually, yeah. last time I was here, oh, I was sick. like, hey, how much do you cost to steal you away from Bobby? <laughs> sick. That's great. I couldn't have afforded her, but. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. She's And then, yeah, and her husband, Austin, is um, our service manager, and he has been for nine and a half years, and, like, they're just an invaluable piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Uh, again, our team, our team is amazing. I couldn't do this without them. I couldn't. Let's just start right there. I could not have ridden the event, my own event, our event, the community's event, without the team, without everybody at the shop. And I've already named them all, so I won't do it again. But everybody at the shop, the whole crew, couldn't have done it. Just because they encouraged it, number one. And they took care of everything else while I went out and did it. They made sure the shop ran. They made sure that the aid stations were up that we just promised that we were going to do and decided that we were going to do actually we didn't promise them we actually told everyone there would be nothing out there we actually said everything's you're on your own you know mile 43 is pawnee and there's gas station and food and sonic and everything there so plan plan ahead but then we had the we got the we surprised everyone with the shea so we got the shea reupholstered with salsa cycles so we had to chase the shea at mile 20 for the 50 miles did you know about this yeah, yeah and with and dude that we planned it all chase ahead. The sh- i thought it was chase the chase it's chase it's, the shea chase the shea oh it's a my. shea lounge yeah oh my gosh yeah but it looks but it's play it looks like Chase yeah, the Chase, but yeah. no, it's a Shea Lounge. Okay. I was a little confused when you said Shea. I'm like, I think he means Chase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. Obviously, I knew I was wrong, but no, I was no, curious. No. Yeah. But everyone does it different and different, you know. But anyway, we've been so lucky. We've had it three times. And right now, I mean, actually, dude, we still have it. It's still downtown, but like nobody knows it. <laughs> it's just on vacation. So I'm it's just go sit on it. Tomorrow. It's taking a break. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, no, we're not going to sit on it. <laughs> no, just, we should do that for sure because it's there. And, yeah. <clears throat> but we have it hidden on it. We have it hidden away and it's amazing. And uh, we, put, we put that out at mile 20 for the 50 milers and the 100 miles. So everyone got it. Kelly Lida from Aspen Coffee came out and ran the Oasis at mile 20. So we had beer. Mid South, we went ahead and we can't beer. We did the canning and the brew of the entire Mid South IPA with Iron Monk again this year, anyway. So it's for sale still downtown at Iron Monk, and they've got kegs left over still that they have on tap. And it's they think it's one of the best beers this year specifically that they've ever made. And as a company, not just the Mid South, but yeah. overall. And I absolutely agree. So anyway, dude, the whole team came together. Sally and Crystal took care of the Oasis Oasis, the one we always have at Mile 80 with beer and food and music and Cokes and cookies. And so that was there to look forward to. We knew, we knew it was coming. I told everyone that we were riding with. There was about 35 of us or 40 that lined up for the shop. Okay. And so we just released Storm Chaser that we self-produced on accident. Wait a second. What? I didn't know that story either. So did you, do you know it's out? Have you seen yeah. it? Okay, so so the story, short story, is that... Yeah, I'm familiar with the Storm okay. Chaser. I just didn't know that you accidentally produced it. So, or Josh, I just hired Josh McCulloch as our creative media, you know, he's crushing it, doing social media. We're working on other media projects, other video projects, and I'm so excited. I can't talk about him yet, but we're going to try and do our best to highlight and 
and amplify voices that need to be amplified above ours and use our platform to give them space to say what needs to be said. And he came to me with this idea about these other video projects that we're now finally working on. But yeah, no, man, we, we were planning for an in-person event until like January. And then January hit and Josh had been on board since October because I hired him. I was like, how about you help me do social media and we'll fund these projects and use our platform for this. But I need help with all the other things. And Josh was like, yes, I'm, you know, he's, I'm, I'm shutting down my wedding photography business slowly. And this is perfect timing for me. And this is my dream job. And I'm like, well, yes, let's go. Because I'm also doing my dream job. So let's go. <laughs> Josh ended up in the back of a forerunner with Brian Couchman. Brian Couchman is from Oklahoma City, and he is the graphic designer that did the entire rebrand of the Mid-South. Okay. And Brian showed up and was like, I'm just here to help however I can. And then Josh was going to drive himself around in his own van, which super funny side story. Josh has the Dodge Ram Sprinter style van that yep. was Joe Exotics from tiger king no that got repossessed and it has tiger bite marks on the seats and the oh, armrests yeah i know dude a hundred percent true carol basket killed her husband yeah <laughs> just had to say that <laughs> oh man oh, i want to say so many things that i don't think are appropriate right now <laughs> Oh, Carol Baskin. Oh, so, so funny. So yeah, he's like, yeah, these are tiger, tiger. Like we were, we were that moving so the, cool. we were moving the Shea lounge. It's the first time he told me, cause he's had it for a while. He's, we're moving the Shea and Josh and I are, are in his van. He's like, yeah, dude, this was Joe Exotic's fan. He's like, check this out. Oh, I laughed so hard. I couldn't believe it. The teeth marks on the armrest of his driver's seat are huge. It's terrifying. Did terrifying. he pay more for Joe Exotic's? Absolutely not. They like, didn't know. No, no, nobody told him. And then I, he figured it out. Like he, he, you can he like research up, the yeah. history of the vehicle. Yeah, and that's what he did. And oh so he's he's built it into an adventure van. I guess for his if family. you buy a van and it has tiger marks or something like, it, you might just get on DMV and see who owned it before you. It, it was like this could be from like a construction worker. He wasn't sure. And then he goes, "Oh, yeah, that's what that is." And then yeah, anyway, it's hilarious. It's amazing. It's totally true. So anyway, Josh is, was trying to drive himself around the day of the race and film and shoot well, while he's doing it on, on his own. And he immediately realized, oh, I can't, this isn't, you know, this isn't like a wedding. This isn't like an event where I'm in the space and I can just move around a confined space. I need a driver. And Brian was like, I'm here. I got my forerunner. It's totally capable. Hop in the back. The window rolls down. Yeah. And so then he starts coming around and filming me. And I kept saying, dude, get out of here. Like, stop filming me. Go film everybody else. Go get photos of everybody else. You know, and Josh was like, well, dude, this is so good though. And like, you're in a great spot and like, you're able to ride and all these other people can't ride and you know, all this stuff. And anyway, we'd kind of chatted about like m being able to tell the story of my first one, yeah. but, but we didn't, we didn't have a plan. We didn't have a plan. We didn't have a storyboard, nothing. And then finally, you know, he got the good, he got good stuff and I, and I was fine with it too. Cause I was like, well, yeah, of course let's use, let's use, I would love to be in whatever video we, we come up with as like a recap. Cause we always do a recap mm. with Brett Rostikas. Brett Rostikas has been with me almost the whole time too. Brett works for Life Church down in Edmond. Um, he's amazing. He's an incredibly, incredibly talented videographer. So anyway, then Josh immediately says like, dude, I got all of this. I have all this amazing footage of you. Um, do you want to sit down and do an interview? And let's just talk, like you can talk about the bike. You can talk about your, your ride, the whole deal. And, the working title, this, no one knows this. The working title of the project was My First Mid-South. And I was like, dude, that sounds so like 
kind of like childish. <laughs> like, I'm oh, on my first day of preschool, you know? And Josh goes, no, 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 dude. It's just a working title. He's like, it's just, it's not, that's not what we're naming it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I'm sorry. I would have had a bunch of anxiety to even say that to you because I don't want to disrespect you. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so we were thinking about it, thinking about it. And I'm like, man, what am I going to name this thing? Like, we got to name it something sick. And it can't be just like Mid-South or unlearned pavement this like it can't be anything that we've already had like, what is it what is it going to be and it just it hit me i said dude and of course i wanted to dig into like my like emo indie rock pop punk days and like come up with some funny like punny name or like not punny but you know what i mean like fun multi-layered cool, yeah something <clears throat> deeper than just Ex- exactly my first gravel ride right. <laughs> my first time to hike a bike with a single speed bicycle <laughs> we have man it was hard gee golly so i i think i misunderstood you You were saying you the the film storm tracer chaser you yes. produced that on kind of on accident yes but oh we the worked bicycle storm chaser you didn't produce that oh no okay no I, we've been talking <laughs> that, with salsa about that for like two years and then they were like bobby we're we are actually doing it and well, I was, they released it at your event I, right i, I played i, I yeah, just played. got a half stack and i got a les paul from my homie kale Kale Wright, shout out. I'm doing it again. I love this. Shout outs are so fun. <laughs> Kale's definitely going to listen. Him and his wife, Ashley Wright, and their kids up in Burlington, Kansas. I've been playing drums. I mean, Kale has been playing drums in bands with me since I was 15 years old. I got his locker in seventh grade. He was in eighth grade. So he wanted to come see the poor sap first day of school, middle school of his eighth grade year, my seventh grade year to see who got his shitty ass locker that wouldn't close. And it was mine. Oh, nice. And his last name is Wright and mine's Wintel. And so like we've Dude, he's, he was my best man at my wedding. You're right, and, hand man. Yeah, he's incredible. He was at Unbound because uh, he lives like 40 minutes away in Burlington, Kansas, and we stayed up till 5 a.m. Saturday night to hang around the finish line and going to Mulready's. Love you, Kill. Your brother, all the way. And anyway, so yeah, man, the whole thing was crazy. Like, I was the storm. The storm chaser has been an unbelievable story. Unbelievable. So I bought that Les Paul from Kale, and I got to play. I learned how to play Thunderstruck. It took me forever, do weeks to learn how to, because I'm terrible at lead stuff. And I just sat in my office, and Sally will tell you, I was just playing it over and over. <laughs> I was over and over and over. And it was so loud. She was like, you're getting it, I think. One time I remember Sally from her office like, I think that's, you're getting it. <laughs> so we set up all the light, oh, dude, sound, lights, production, overdub to have the drums, you know, and we rented this $500 scissor lift because mm-hmm. we couldn't find a ladder tall enough to come in from Kinnanen's rental in town, and they brought it in to Iron Monk, and we they we salsa had built this plywood platform with chains, and we pulley systemed it up into the rafters at Iron Monk so no one could see it, and then we did all the fog and smoke, and they get, got all of us, Crystal and Sally, and all of us, everyone from salsa had these gold jackets with yeah, checkers. I remember, them. and I played it, and. We dropped it out of the sky and we released it to the world that in 2020. Awesome. And then we had one in stock at the shop besides mine. And we sold it right then and there, like in the brewery. The guy was like, oh, I'm sure there's it took one of the seconds. Shop. And he was like, I want it. I don't care what size it is. No, it was it's 57. Mine. He bought it. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> so they gave me that bike, dude. So that was. That that's was, the one you rode? That's the one I rode. And what, so I, I, you know, watching the video, you could assume that maybe that was a salsa sponsored video or right. whatever, right? But, uh, no, but, but no, that's just the bike you chose for the race. The week before we released it. Okay. I told Josh, okay, 
I think we need to call it Storm Chaser. And I think we need to ask Lindsay and Miker, Lindsay Belchenko, the the marketing manager for Salsa Cycles, who's doing an amazing job, and Miker, Mike Reamer, kid, who has been one of my closest friends in the industry for a long time now. And we we pinged him and we just said, hey, uh, here's a preview. Here's here's a preview. What do you guys think of us calling Storm Chaser? And can you guys send us all the assets? Which we already had most of the logos anyway, but can you send us everything? And can we call it this? And can we just go to Funky Town? Like, can we just make it happen? Yeah. And they, I mean, no hesitation. Just bam. I wouldn't think so. Yes. We're like, absolutely. Well, that's kind of what they want that bike to be associated with, being able to take on this type of event right i mean that's the whole point of that bike i won't go as far to say that it was made specifically for the mid-south but pretty much it's pretty it's that bike that you go to a gravel race you go to an event you go somewhere and there's a a chance that the the weather could be horrible and you're not signed up single speed and you know it's six what 16.99 i think for the complete bike or whatever and it's aluminum carbon fork create it's almost an aluminum cutthroat like that's how i feel on that bike not quite quite as you know lower as set you're not all the way down in it's not quite as long a wheelbase i don't think i'm really seriously looked at the numbers (laughs) 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 but truly that's how it feels dude it's got mega clearance mega clearance it's so tight and so yeah they were like yes let's go and i thought what better what better name man like i'm not the storm chaser the bike is and it's about and i didn't want it to be all about me i wanted to be about my experience and the bike was the bike is the thing that takes you right through the like the journey of the day or the, or the multi-day or the event, right? Like mm-hmm. in bikepacking, like your relationship to your gear is amazing, right? When you're bikepacking. It's an important part of the entire process. I mean, y'all are in, in like, uh, you can't do it without each other, right? Right. I guess you, or, right. or you'd be hiking. And so like, and I, when I say gear, I'm, I, you think like <clears throat> peripherals, you know, tent, stove, food tools jackets clothing lights electronics but but then but then the the bike i see as an extension of your body it is not just a gear it is not gear it is not a tool it is more than that it is more than that you feel each other it feels what you give it you feel what it gives you if you let it do what it was designed to do it will blow you away and that is exactly what storm chaser did the storm chaser the bike was just like, if you want to give it to me, if you have the power to mm-hmm. put through this bicycle, I will go. Yeah. I will do whatever you want, however you want. And I was just like, man, I wish I was stronger. And I said it in the movie, but it's like not an actual big, big moment. And I wish I would have kind of talked about it more. But man, if if you if I could have given it to it, it would have gone. Well, actually, <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you about that. What kind of condition were you in going into that? Really and, bad. And I mean, let's let's be honest about you know how busy you are and how much you actually sure. get to ride. I'm gonna pour another drink. Yeah, I just poured one. So, <laughs> pop, pop. Nice pour. Thanks. Are you good? You're good. Yeah, yeah I just okay. poured yeah, one. Good. But yeah, I mean, let let's get real about yeah. what kind of condition you were in because terrible. I mean, no dude. one, yeah, no one needs to think that Bobby Wentel's in the best shape and he went out there and crushed it on a single speed because you made a fancy video. Right. No. Again, it wasn't even really the plan. Yeah. the The plan was we we need to put on an, an incredibly socially distanced event in two and a half months when we had been trying to talk with all the sponsors, all of our participants us internally at the race at the shop we're we're like what do we do what do we do and we were planning two events at the same time an in-person socially distanced very safe very pared down in-person event Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then we were also planning this. We were trying to come up with carrots to chase for this other idea. And it was ripping me to shreds. The idea of not having like the family together, like when I, when I say that, I mean just everybody, the family reunion of sorts, like not actually doing the event the way we've always done it by just building upon year after year of like, okay, we've, we've done this. We, we know how to do this. We're good at this. Let's add this. What do you guys think about this? All of a sudden it was just, we just, the, ta- the table just got literally dude like fucking flipped upside mm-hmm. down. Yeah. And it was awful. I don't know if I can even put it into words besides that. It was awful. I was losing it. And I was like having awful meetings with the crew. Crystal and Sally would, could tell you right now, like I was, I, w- I wasn't trying to be an asshole, but I was just like, I don't know what the answer is, you guys. And I said, we, and I came into the meeting multiple times and was like, we need to postpone. We need to postpone to August. Right. We need to postpone. Yeah. Right now. And if we postpone, we'll have it. And Sally looked me in the face and she was like, you have come up with this idea of partnership routes. You've come up with this idea of them building the routes. And this was just in the very infancy. I hadn't even called the bike shops yet. Hadn't mm-hmm. called my friends yet. Hadn't, none of it had been set in motion. We had pitched it kind of loosely to Salsa, Vittoria, Rafa, a few other of our, SRAM, some big, our, like our biggest sponsors, you know, um, Orange Mud, <clears throat> you know, the list goes on. I'm not going to go down the list. We had pitched it and they were like, Bobby, we're not sure you're going to have an in-person event because we'd pitched, here's our socially distanced in-person and here's this other thing that I don't know yet. And this was pre-January. So like, oh, well, you know, really. yeah, yeah. And they were like, obviously you got to yeah. get it. It's a big event. You got to hit the ground running. Our, we start really digging in September, October, um, which now every year it's just going to get earlier. Um, I mean, we do it all year, but, but really like the sponsorships and like the concrete ideas really start to hit about the late fall. And uh, dude, I could just feel it. I was like, dude, no, nobody is coming. All the sponsors are like, we're not sending athletes. We're not traveling. Corporate's got to shut down. And I was like, the city hasn't told us no yet. We'd had a few meetings with the city manager, with Norm McNichol and with the mayor, Will Joyce. And I was like, I just told him, I said, you guys, we have to make the call now. I can't physically do this anymore. I can't mentally handle it. I have to have one direction. Mm-hmm. I think indecision is one of the worst things is not oh. knowing which way to point your energy is like probably one of the hardest. And I think everybody's oh, been man. dealing with that to some level is like, totally. Everyone's got this pent up energy and like, what do I do with it? And there's a lot of uncertainty and all the other things that have been going on in the pandemic. Right. Right. We didn't know again, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, nine years into this event, it felt like we were doing it for the first time. Sure. And it was ter- completely different. And, and it wasn't fun it, because it was like, we know how to do this. We know how to crush this. We know how to give people an amazing experience and how to like change our own lives too. Every year, it's so energizing and we were at a loss, at an absolute loss. So, so anyway, man, we, we finally decided to go that route and then to, to come up with the idea. And so all this to say, long story short, short story long, <laughs> short story long, <laughs> I was in terrible condition. I had not ridden my bike basically I'd done like maybe one 30 mile ride and not on the storm chaser because it was in, it was just a frame. It was in shambles. Right, you like built it the night before. Year. Yeah. So. And I had bought wheels for it. I, I just bought industry nine carbon. Well, not just actually dude. I'd had them for like seven months or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> I'd bought their UL 250, I think is what it's called. Super light gold spokes. I wanted gold aluminum spokes. Oh, yeah. It's sick, dude. My bike. Cool. Like, 
It better be. I'm proud of it. You're I'm, repping district, yeah, man. Yeah, I know, man. I know. <laughs> and so, yeah, dude, I'd gone out to do Arkansas High Country. Seth and I did it. Um, Seth and Austin and I went to attempt it. And I had ridden really, really hard until about four weeks before the event. And that's when conversations really started to ramp up. Mm-hmm. And I just got overwhelmed and I started and I got I got unorganized and I didn't have my things in place and I didn't have my, you know, my gear, my helmet and clothes and shoes laid out ahead of time the night before. So I just stopped, I just stopped riding. And then I changed all my components the weekend before to GRX over from the SRAM force that I had on it, this mullet group. And I changed my handlebar, my stem, my crank length on accident. I didn't realize because <laughs> I I didn't get a smaller chain ring like I, I was going to remember to do. So I had a 42 tooth chain ring. I needed a 38. And so anyway, my fit was off, all off on my bike and on my moods. And so anyway, it just, I I went on to high country. I made it 700 miles in five days. I was in almost like technically sort of kind of in third place when I made it into Hatfield that night. As that was a night that Seth and I had crossed paths. So he went, Seth went counterclockwise. I went clockwise. We right. had met almost exactly at halfway. Cool. Yeah. Which was so sick. And it's so amazing because he did that shit on a single speed and he right. was walking and he was going just the same speed that I was riding yeah, while he walked. And yeah. I walked a lot too. Let's make no mistake about yeah, that. Everybody walks in Arkansas, I think. I also did ride 93 or 97 miles of that single speed because I didn't secure my DI2 battery inside my seat post well enough and it rattled out two times and I broke a cable and so i was in 4221 i i pulled my bottom bracket with channel locks at a at a truck i remember yeah, man, yeah i remember the stories amazing. from instagram it was amazing <laughs> i had i had an amazing ride but after that i got home and i i mean i do i just put it all away everything didn't wash my bike nothing just whoop, done yeah mid-south full gas district full gas we've got two kids emory is almost 11 she'll be 11 in august and ellie's eight and so i mean you know they're, they they weren't in school for a year and two weeks. Right. They were doing edgenuity, which is through the school district of Stillwater, but it was the it was the the online thing. So I mean, dude, it, life was that this year, dude. I I I don't know, man. I don't even know how to explain how. I don't know how to explain how hard this year has been. And and I mean, I know it's way harder for others, way harder for others. And like, I'm so privileged, dude. I'm so incredibly, like, I'm lucky, and I'm. And I'm supported and I'm not wondering where my next meal is going to come from. And I have an amazing team and I've got all this cool stuff like bikes and guitars, whatever. Like, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. But it's also been super fucking hard. And like, even if you have these material things that at the end of the day turn into dust and you don't get to take with you or whatever we're going to call that, none of it truly matters except for your mental health. And your physical health too. And and it's, dude, this one's been hard. It's been hard. It's been hard for a lot of people. And I want everybody to understand. Has it been that. hard as a sense of you taking on like externalities of like feeling some responsibility from, you know, you are somewhat of a pillar and a leader in this community. So is, is it that that's kind of making it extra hard? Everything, dude. Right. And I think none of us were prepared to go through what we've all just gone through. Oh, hell no. Right? Yes, I, if I wanted to internalize it, like the idea of me being a leader and needing to lead and, and needing to like make decisions that the, the industry and the cycling community and our family and like our gravel family are going to respond to, is that a lot of pressure? Yeah. Do I want it? Yes. Do I think that I am built to do this? Yes. And I'm prepared to do it. And I'm also surrounded by people 
that I can lean on and trust wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, all of them, Seth, Austin, Tyler, Curto, Crystal, Sally, Trevor, Brett, Myla, like Liz, Trevor's wife. She's a part of things too, man. Like Sarah Seams, Tyler's wife. Like, dude, these people are, we have an amazing group of people. And so like, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's hard just because I, I had so many decisions to make or it was just so much harder this year because I am so f- relational and I'm so community oriented. And we've had a social at district for the past in almost the whole time we've been open. So about nine years and the pandemic shut it off. The social was always every Friday, 5 p.m. And BYOB, we we stopped marketing for it years and years and years ago. And everybody just knows. And they just come. And we we got a kegerator and I would get kegs from Iron Monk all the time. And they would just bring it, like let me bring it over in a wheel dolly like down the street because, you know, they're two blocks away. And I would just dolly it over strap pony kegs to the top of the big dummy and ride them back and <laughs> yeah you know and not always we'd have kegs but we would try if someone wanted to do a build party for a custom build that we were doing in the community then we would we would be like well, you want to do it friday and then they would do it friday oh, and that's a neat way to get the community in and then people would do potlucks for their parties or we would just do random potlucks for no reason and the bar we built the bar at the shop specifically to to do two things to give people a place to sit and watch and talk and learn about their bike getting built or worked on, or to watch other things happening in the shop and feel connected to the service center. Yeah. It's completely open, and we have the couch at the shop too. The it's couch like was sit and stay, sit, hang out. Don't you don't have to buy anything? Who cares? Just have a seat. Yeah. We, the only thing we're missing here are old fashions. <laughs> and if we could, <laughs> I bet man, if you ask nice oh, enough, you get one. <laughs> we we could make you an old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to this mayor. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Just tips are welcome, and uh, we won't charge you for it. so yeah man i just don't think that i was prepared i i I mean none of us were and so all of us have gone through but you're a social animal absolutely like i'm i'm kind of i could be a little anti-social and just live in my house like i actually whenever things got locked down i actually enjoyed how things slowed down for a while make no mistake for a while i like that but then after a while it's like bro i gotta get going no me too Actually, yeah, it was it was a side of myself that I didn't know existed. Where you finally got like after all this, I mean, you had nine years of land run or whatever, yep. or yeah, yep. land almost run, and then, yeah eight. Then you had district, and everything's been building and building and building and building, like we've we've been saying, and then it just stops. Stopped. Yeah, that is tough, though, man. Yeah, it totally is. It totally is, and not to mention one night stand, the twelve hour endurance mountain bike race that I put on. In the fall, out at McMurtry, here, 12-hour, four-person team, duo, solo, co-ed. We do it all night, and it's incredibly fun. It's a blast. Endurance race on the Red Trail, seven-mile laps. You just do as many as you can in 12 hours, 7 p.m., 7 a.m. So that completely shut off. We didn't didn't do anything for that. We didn't even even announce that it wasn't happening. We just didn't do anything. And then, I apologize, everyone, but I think everybody kind of understood what was going on. And then Perry Roubaix, the guys, Austin and Tyler, Austin and Tyler came up with the idea of Perry Roubaix at, at Finnegan's at our local bar, which dude Finnegan's has been closed for because a bunch of, you know, like they 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 felt like they were contributing to potentially like the the spread of COVID be, mm-hmm. by being open, and by you know some of course some customers not thinking anything was happening or real or wanting to pay any sort of respect to it, so they they shut off, shut down. Chris that owns Finnegan's, right around the corner from the store, dude. Monday Funday or Monday Funday rides always have met in front of the shop. Always end at Finnegan's. Chris allows us to bring in bikes even if we had 50 deep. 
sometimes. We'd have 30 bikes piled up inside the bar. And he didn't give a shit because he knew that we were all buying as much beer as we could possibly handle. Like, it was so funny. Shut off, gone. The bar's not even open. So, like, our gathering place is gone. Our bubbles got tiny. And they got very, very intentional. And I think our relationships at the shop have deepened to a place that I'd, I already thought that we were tight because of the shit we've been through, because of the shit that we've done, the long hours, you know, just everything. Like the community building, the, the, the bikes that we've been able to facilitate, the, the experiences we've seen people go through, the life changes, the people losing hundreds of pounds, you know, you know, the, all, all the things. We've all been, the things. I, just, I thought we'd seen it all, almost. Yeah. Like, no, like not jaded, but I was like, and I'm not, never not surprised. I'm never not stoked, but I, I thought. You thought you got it. We had no idea. Yeah. No idea. And the, the, the stress, and let me just shout out right now to every single bike shop owner, every single retail employee, every customer service person in the customer facing public entity, every waitress, every waiter, every shop manager, every restaurant, every, every janitor, every <laughs> janitor, everybody, dude, everybody it, that had to work face-to-face with the public, you are unbelievable. And you deserve to give yourself grace and love and pay, and like and just be patient with yourself and know that what you have just gone through is is once in a generation or multi-generation. Why, why do you say that? What do you what do you know that I don't know? Again, I'm a I'm a stay-at-home dad. I, I work from home, so like I, I'm not in the public oh, face man. like that. What did I miss? What are- dude, it we we had no roadmap at all of how to operate a retail store during a pandemic you got a government that isn't telling you what to fucking do your local government probably doesn't have a clue what to do bike shops weren't listed on the essential businesses Mm -hmm. for oklahoma so we were we were expected to close kind of because it didn't say bike shop but every single transportation like vehicle because we put and like seth went into this on his and it was beautiful and amazing and you guys talked about it so much so we don't have to but but everything that was centered around cars, because we're such a car-centric culture, which is just insane to me, was essential business. Mm-hmm. So I text Will Joyce, our mayor, and I'm like, I don't want to be doing anything that I'm not supposed to do. And Crystal prompted this. Crystal was like, you need to ask Will now. Like, ask him. Yep. Are we open or not? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, are we essential or not? He said, as far as I'm concerned, you are. you are. And I told him, I said, we have customers who rely on their bike as transportation to get to work. To get to to pick up to, to take their kids to school to do this to do that. I learned how important mental health is and and the value that getting outside and going on a bike ride can provide. Whenever Not even the shit that. is like hitting the fucking fan and everything's exactly. falling apart. Like it, it, it's asinine to think that people would take away access to right. bikes or anything that would you know bring that level of enjoyment or whatever. Right. right. Yeah. So transportation, we'll, all those things. All of it. All yeah. of it. I mean, you have people that rely on it to get to work. You're talking about essential workers. I mean, if you're talking about essential workers, a lot of times we're talking about, you know, people that are a little bit lower income and they might be riding bikes to work. Well, who's going to fix their bikes so they can keep getting to work? Exactly. Yeah. And so the whole thing is like, it just pulls back the curtain again on what are our values as an, an actual country? Hmm. Like where, and, and where, where does the money actually live within our capitalist society? And it does not revolve around human powered movement whether it's recreational fun mental health or transportation it is oil and gas baby all the way mm-hmm. and it is we know that in oklahoma texas oh absolutely and and i'm not saying that as a positive thing <laughs> no, i'm saying it's it just, as it's a, a fact it is just a fact yeah, and, and it's and, the world and, we live in right now. it is and of course oil 
products are all over the bikes. I get it. I'm not going to go down this <laughs> argument with anybody. I know I'm not ignorant to that. I'm, I'm thankful for the products that we have because it exists and it's, but it's also, it's hard. It's uh, so many things in life I am conflicted about and I feel like life is a complicated mess. Yes. So we didn't know what to do, man. We didn't, do we let people in the store? Do we not? I remember when the mask thing came up weeks after Mid-South happened and I was feeling so much guilt for having the race and continuing to have the race. We had 3,250 people signed up from 48 states and eight countries. Mm. And I had people come from Denmark, dude. I had eight people from Denmark because of Jens and his family. And, oh man, just oh my gosh, so many unbelievable human beings. And every single one of the, the, of the Danish crew had to jump on a plane on Friday because Denmark was closing their borders. So they left the day before? Except for one. Tobias Christian from Denmark stayed on his single B gravel, super sick steel custom bike, and he broke it and, <laughs> of course, didn't make it to the finish, but he had the most amazing time. And Tobias is coming back, for sure coming back, but he stayed and then he lucked out, dude. He got a flight after the race on Saturday oh, nice. in March 2020, and he made it home. And I'm so glad he did because that would have been – and I told him, I said, dude, if you get locked out of your country – we will help figure that out. You can live with me. We'll keep you here. Like we'll in just, the Westie. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we'll figure it out. At McMurtry, like we'll figure it out. Hey, we got enough. Food. All right. So you brought it up. All right. We're gonna we're gonna get off topic a little bit, but it's a topic you brought up. Let's talk about your decision to move forward with the 2020. Um, at that time, it was the Mid South, so you changed the name um, from Land Run to Mid South, and what later 2019, and then December 31st. December. Uh, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, December. It was December 30th, right? I think it was the day before. Yeah, it was December 30th. And I, my whole entire goal was we have to do this. We had to put a hard deadline. And I was like, we have to do this before January 1. Yeah. We have to do it before January 1. There's no question in my mind. Anyway. So let's talk about your decision to host the race. I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to share some of my thoughts. Okay. I'm assuming that it probably wasn't just you. I mean, at this point, Mid-South has become a big thing. There's people from all over the world who are coming, thousands and thousands of people. It's a big economic stimulus. This isn't just about you and Bobby Wintel. This no. is a this is a huge community. It's something you've built, you've put your heart and soul into. And I I wanted to put this in perspective for myself because I knew we were obviously talking today. And I went back and looked. I, I was recently listening to a podcast with the mayor of Austin. And he was asked, like, what is the hardest thing you've ever had to do as mayor? Or, and he talked about a few of them, but one of them surprised me. And he said, I had to shut down South by Southwest, which is huge. It's a week after my event. No, it's a week before. South by Southwest? This year. No, it's the week after. Okay. It always has been. Okay. So it was the week after Mid-South. All right. Because nothing had shut down the week before. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, yeah, so you're you're a little bit better. The other thing I looked up. I know I, that because I booked bands for Mid-South and they want to come here and they're on their way to South by Southwest. No, yeah. I. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's the only reason I know. So then. Well, because I also love South by Southwest and I always want to go, but it's always too busy. <laughs> <laughs> so your event ha happened on May, March 14th. Correct. It was March 11th. Who declares a pandemic? The 13th, Trump declares a national emergency. The week... <laughs> we we did it. <laughs> this makes me look really stupid. No. <laughs> no, I know, but it's well, great. <laughs> well, I, I don't... I, that's not what I'm trying to do. No, so, I know. I know. So, 
kind so, of. But let me finish. Let me finish. So March 19th, California is the first state to issue a stay-at-home order. So before that, I don't think anyone had had issued a stay-at-home order. The president hadn't. Who hadn't come out and said, stay at home? No one had mandated mask or anything at this Correct. point. What I'm... As six an outside, feet, the six feet, none, none of the six yeah, feet thing hadn't happened right. yet. Masks hadn't happened so yet. So as an outside observer, considering the fact that as a race, as a species, we have never dealt with this before in the last, like, what? Since, since, 18, since, the, since 19, 1920, I think, right? I thought it was 1812. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's 18. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we're all, I mean, the point is, like, none of us know about this shit. And we kind of, like, looked it up and found about it after the fact. Correct. We're like, oh, shit, we're in a pandemic? What does that mean, you know? And, and we've all been trying to figure out. So <laughs> my question isn't to put you in a tough spot but it, it was i no no i just want to hear <laughs> <laughs> because like i'm also thinking about just how much how much you care and you think about all the people and how hard you've worked at, at this and all this so i'm just yeah what was it like to make that decision man i laid on the floor in my kitchen i think it was thursday night maybe it was wednesday night it was wednesday night it was wednesday night i'd gone to dinner with peter volers and ansel dickey and nick keating from Vermont social. They do all the videos for like Ted King and that whole crew. And they're from Vermont. They come to town. They had trailered the Bumble down Peter Voller's um, ridiculous Land Rover, Range Rover truck thing. And he was like, I want to be your lead vehicle and we want to do video out of it and we'll run social media. And I was like, done. 100%. We'd gone to dinner and they given me, they gave me a Vermont Overland flannel shirt. And this flannel shirt, Ansel looked at me. Ansel is now the new race director of Vermont Overland and Ansel is the lead video guy. Him and Nick are like the lead guys that, that do all that other stuff. I told you about already the Vermont social stuff. So Ansel looks me in the face and he's like, this was before Peter had hand handed the reins, the race over to him. And he said, you don't understand how important that Vermont Overland flannel is. Cause it was all ripped up. It's got, it's like too big for me a little bit. So like, it's it's been it's been well loved mm -hmm. he's like dude i don't even have one of those and i'm like a part of the team and peter was like this is your shirt and we went to dinner all together me, me and crystal and the kids and i picked up jared harbor from southern wonders out in north carolina from the airport because jared was flying in to help with uh, mechanic stuff at the shop all, all weekend because we had bikes coming in from all over the place oh, sure. to build Probably do they ship them to y'all? Oh, y'all yeah. build them up and all. Yeah. So we work with bike flights, and we've created an entire package that you can just get on the website and buy a package, and oh, we'll cool. and we'll tune it up. After. Yeah, it's very sick. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that we came up with that idea. We stole it from Leadville. Leadville's got a whole process through their shop, Cycles of Life. It's so sick. One click button, you get your your bike flight stuff to from. We build it, we pack it, we tune it. If you want, there's levels. It's great idea yeah we didn't do a ton a ton a ton of course because so many people didn't come this year that were traveling from way far away in 2020 or 2020 i'm sorry correct sorry i still think of it as this year because it's the most it still feels like this year even though it feels like 20 years have passed i'm laying on the ground after dinner i'm in that vermont overland shirt there's a picture of me on instagram that that jared took and i'm laying there and i'm completely completely overwhelmed that's the night that like so that was wednesday night that was the night the pandemic hit 
And um, so, no, I take that back. It must have been Thursday. Man, it must have been the next night. I can't remember. I'm getting my days mixed. It's been a little while since it happened. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's right. The then. pandemic hit. So, NBA got canceled Wednesday night. Mm. The 11th, right? 12th? Yeah. Whatever it was? So, yeah. 11th. 11th was when who declares a national pandemic. Okay. Or a pandemic. Okay. Right. But the next night, the Utah Jazz are in Oklahoma City. And there's that basketball player. I don't remember his name. But he's saying, like, that he doesn't believe in it, blah, blah, blah. He's touching everybody, doing the whole thing. But the Utah Jazz are at Thunder at Oklahoma City, and he tests positive. That player tests positive for COVID. Oh, shit. In Oklahoma City. Oh, shit. And this is Wednesday before our race. Yeah. So I have a few things to say about this. Number one, Ken Avery at Vittoria, he was VP of uh, product or marketing um, at Vittoria, calls me and he's like, Bobby, we just got in from Boston. We're staying at the hotel that the Utah Jazz are staying at right now. And he's tested positive and we're all leaving and we're not coming. And I'm so sorry. And I was like, I understand. Mm, yeah. Leave. Leave now. So everyone starts canceling on Thursday. Like everyone. And the NBA gets canceled. And here's the thing. Here's the problem that I have with the United States of America and how we handled this situation from the beginning. We didn't give a fuck until our entertainment was at stake. And the second that the NBA was affected and canceled and then the NCAA, then we gave a shit. Hmm. That's bullshit. I don't watch either one of those. I don't either. <laughs> but that's what happened. That's just the facts. From my perception, that's, that's what happened. That all of a sudden the NBA had a person test positive and then, but I mean, of course then it was it dominoes. Real. Then it was real. Yeah. And then everyone's like, Oh, oh no. no, we got to protect. And, and, but they're also like, oh my God, I can't believe you're taking away my entertainment. You know, like, and, and now, now everyone's paying attention is what I'm saying. So then I'm laying on the floor and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The NBA is canceled. The NBA. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. March Madness is canceled. Yeah. What? I've been watching March Madness with my dad and my mom, Bob and Diana. I've been, I've been watching. KU Jayhawks, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Crimson and blue. Is that your alma die. mater? Oh, no. No, Emporia State, dude. I'm a Hornet. Well, I didn't know either yeah, one of those. Yeah, dude, I went to Emporia State, but Rock Chalk. I never dude, went to college, so I don't know any of those. But, I mean, but Jayhawks, live, dude, Roy Williams. Oh, man. Dude, beware the fog. Oh, man. Anyway, I'm not actually a sports fan, but my dad is a huge Jayhawks basketball fan, and I have listened and watched and... So anyway, yeah, March Madness. It's like, holy shit, this is crazy. Oh, I know it's big. And I don't I, watch but, it, no, but I know it's huge. It is, and I don't either. I, but I, it's any, culturally uh, significant. That's right. something that everyone, probably even across the pond, like, okay, NBA is shut down. Right, right. It's like the this best. franchise is shut down. Right. I understand what you're saying. And Italy was already shut down. Pro, pro European cycling had already been shut down. But like, we were holding out. And we were like, oh, it's not a big deal here yet. You know, like, oh, we had a case in Seattle. Oh, we had a case here. And so, like, with Stillwater, I mean, I think at the time, like, I think the week after, we still only had, like, one active case that was actually in Payne County. The week after the event. So, anyway, I'm a wreck. We have been doing the same thing that we always do and just ramping up. We've got activations going. We have a, we have a, a bike release with Salsa Cycles again. We released the Journey Person, I'm going to call it. <laughs> we released the Journey Person with them. 
in 2018 from the front door of my shop while John Watson from The Radivist wrote, go to theradivist.com on a piece of cardboard behind Kid Reamer while Kid and I and the whole crew is in front at the garage door of District releasing the bike to the world at, at Land Run at the time. And so we're doing it again, but we're doing it at the beer can release party. And I mean, dude, I, everything's running through my mind. Like the mayor calls me on Thursday and was like, we need to scale back the expo because everyone's freaking out and they're blowing us up on Twitter. And I said, Will, and I've never, dude, I've, again, I'm not prepared to have these conversations. And I said, Will, absolutely not. I said, my vendors have come from the ones that are going to show up that can, that have come, who are, have decided to stay, like, um, which was SRAM, Salsa, uh, Vittoria did not come. Vittoria did not come. Rafa came. You, there's a bunch that came. Orange Seal. Dude, I was like, I'm not going to tell them that they can't set up their stuff. I said, here's, here's what I'm telling you. We're, we're either doing this, we're, we're full gas, or we're nothing. Mm. And like, that's where we're going. And I got the phone. And I was like, holy shit, who am I? Who just said those words? Like, that wasn't even, that's not me at all. Like, I don't know. what. To, and he goes, give me a minute. And he called me back and Will's like, you're right. Let's just do it. And I was like, dude, it's outside anyway. Like we so can, they he, can dis- he wasn't on, on board with it. Well, he was well, just the expo. Yeah, it was like expo, everything yeah. else. So we spoke eight times, me and Norm McNichol, the city manager and Will Joyce, the, the mayor, we talked at least eight times in a 32. Oh, my dog Jones is growling at something. What are you growling at, man? What are you growling at, Jonesy? Sorry, Jones is out here. He's protecting us from like something. I think there's some bon- bunnies and some raccoons. Yeah, there's tons of raccoons. Fat Carl lives out here, man. Do you know about Fat Carl? Uh-uh. Oh, man. Fat Carl's like district's mascot. And so when we go bikepacking out here, Fat Carl likes to steal our snacks when we bikepack out to the lake. One time, Fat Carl found some leftovers in the trash can, and my homie, Rysai, Ryan Simon, was woken up by a complete ruckus of insanity and uh, f- comes over to the trash can and he's like something oh man i think that might be fat carl right now (laughs) it is fat carl's getting into my westie oh my gosh (laughs) pause so fat carl made an appearance no shit you called him into existence it happened jones knew before we could even hear him but I don't know what it is that he took out of the Westie. Um, <laughs> I had a bag of chips, and I thought, oh, he grabbed that bag of tortilla chips. It was, I don't know what it was, man. Some some bag, and I can't figure out. He didn't, he didn't take the coffee. Um, you, were, you were just robbed. I, oh, I was robbed by Fat Carl, which is not, this is not the first time this has happened, and everybody knows that Cheetos have gone, I mean, we've watched, we've just sat and watched him just destroy stuff on picnic tables how fat is fat carl i mean fat carl it just uh right now i didn't get a super good look at him but he's looking pretty lean yeah (laughs) well i mean it is a pandemic you know even even fat carl's in lean years (laughs) (laughs) so crazy okay fat carl i hope whatever it is you took that you're enjoying immensely and i'll see you next time but yeah man fat carl Man, and so the way we always talk about it, this is so funny at the shop. So this came from Rice Side too, I think. But uh, <laughs> it's like, hey, man, you talking about Fat Carl? <laughs> we say that in the shop all the time. <laughs> so I've been thinking about making raccoon 
Fat Carl. We've actually done one round, like one round of like some artwork, but we're talking about making like a pocket tee with like a raccoon coming out of the pocket tee okay. and it's being like Fat Carl. So we're, we're talking yeah. about doing, be on the lookout. District, Man. Fat Carl. I didn't know. Branded. I just like ran into a local celebrity. And you know, there at, it is. At this point, Fat Carl can take whatever he wants, it seems like. I mean, if he's going to be on your merch. Fat, Fat Carl takes what he wants. Yeah. I mean, that's his royalty. He's <laughs> like, yo, Bobby, I'm going to take this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fat Carl. I'm Fat Carl. He's like, dude, you left your door open to the Westie. What do you expect? Yeah, we just shut, we just yeah. shut our doors. We knew better. Is honestly, it, we knew better. I should have. Honestly, yeah. Fat Carl was just the last thing on my mind. But there, of course, every time that Fat Carl is the last thing on your mind, there he is. There he is but yeah, every time. But anyway, oh, yeah. So Riceye wakes up. It Wrap up the Fat Carl story. Wakes up. There's, everyone else didn't hear it. Uh, Riceye wakes up, goes to the trash can because it's just crazy. And he shines his headlight in looks down and there's fat carl <laughs> upside down stuck in the bottom of the trash can looking at him just ashamed like i'm in the fucking trash bro <laughs> like <laughs> and right side was like you fucking trash panda <laughs> oh man so good it's, did he call him a trash panda yes because yes, they look like little pandas <laughs> yeah that's so cute fat carl he caught him in in a low moment a of <laughs> Just at the bottom of the barrel, literally. Couldn't get out, dude. Was trying to get out. So how do you get out? Did y'all like tilt tilt the thing? I don't. Right there, that's where the story always stops, and I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny. So funny. All right. Well, that was okay. a good comedic relief to take us away from. God damn it! Damn. We got to go back and I know. talk about Let's that. Do it. That decision. It's so easy to be on the sidelines and and judge somebody. I mean, you've been in the public eye, and like you say, man. I mean, you've you're in this role, and you're you want to be in the role. You're not backing Absolute, down from absolutely. it, and so uh, you know this just comes with the territory. Is you have to make some hard decisions. You didn't know you were going to be in a fucking pandemic. No way. Um, but here no you way. are, <laughs> and here we are. And so, and so guess it, what? I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna jump ahead and guess yeah. you're you're a human being. I am. You know, I'm just a person, and like. I don't fully understand or grasp the full spectrum and scope of what we truly have with district, with Mid-South, with Unlearned Pavement, with people in our community like Seth, like Tyler, like Austin, Crystal, Sally. Again, I've said their names a million times, but man, these people are, are doing more than, than what is just right at the immediate public eye. And I, I just didn't, I didn't know, man. We're just humans. Like I, I don't, I, I don't, fully accept the idea of gravel celebrity or or legend like somebody posted that the other day and it's a friend of mine it's super sweet and it's like you know we post a photo and they're like ah oh, legend and i'm like dude i'm no i'm like actually i'm just like really stressed out i'm actually kind of sad right now and really out of shape and like 20 pounds overweight and compared to when I know I've been really fit and felt really good on a bike and felt Dude, really I'm, good. I'm my, 18. I'll put mine. My number's 18. Yeah, I, absolutely. I've lost five in the last like three weeks, but like, Dude. I'm, I'm like, I'm like getting back to like, okay, I'm, you know, let's go time to, time to stop fucking. Around. Well, you know no, what it, it is. was is I actually got on the road and it was like this, I came here yep. and then I went to, uh, Arkansas and it was like, just seeing a reflection of myself in society for the first time. And I was like, bro, Whoa. you let yourself go like Whoa. real bad. Like it's been a rough year. I got a, I got a divorce in 2020 and you did like, yeah, started in March of 2020 and Holy cow, uh, man. finalized it in, in uh, December of 2020. So, I mean, it was just a fucking, I hope you're okay, year. man. Oh, yeah. I hope you're okay. I know that part of you is very okay. And probably part of you is 
that was really, really fucking hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly right. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it's okay. I mean, I think, uh, I do believe that everything in life is an opportunity to learn if we give it, you know, that, that reverence to use a word that you yeah, used earlier. Yes. Thank you. I didn't want to say it again, but that's where, <laughs> my, that's where my mind went. I, I, I that's a word I, I like to use too. I actually grew up very religious. And so the idea of paying reverence to something, yes. I don't think it just has to be spiritual, but nope. it just means like, like, you know, think about it, uh, Respect. and respecting it. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I say that to sympathize with you, man. It's just, uh, I think we're all humans and we're all kind of doing our best and, you are in a very prominent role in the community and you've done a really damn good job, right? For a, a long, long time. And um, it was sad for me to see, I don't like it just in general when we attack people, you know? Me neither. Um, just as a rule of thumb. Because we are all actually human. And we are all are figuring it out as we go every single day. We all, like I have my shit, you have your shit, we all have our shit and... I don't like it whenever we take people like you. You're easy, right? You're an easy target because yeah. you're like in the public eye, but I don't fucking know a goddamn thing about you. And I don't know what it was. <laughs> I, I really, I mean, other than, I mean, I know you're a super nice guy that gives great hugs, yes. great hair. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. it's like, but I don't know. Why did Bobby Wentel decide to do the race yeah you know so I, and i've never been in that position either to where i would even have an inkling what i would do if i was bobby wintle again no mask mandate anywhere six feet hadn't even been a conversation yet so the whole thing was just like okay so i mean try and think about it because right now it's really really easy to to say that was a mistake yeah that was a mistake to know how many people died to know how bad it was to know how, to know how serious it truly is now. And at the time, I had my head down, man. Again, like I, I haven't had cable TV since I moved out of my parents' house in 2006. I mean, I don't, I don't listen to the news. I don't watch the news. I'm I right don't. You. I, I, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Fuck Boom, the news. Fist pound, dude. Because it's, it's, it's fucking paid for. It's, media, it's marketing. It's sponsorship. Yeah, they're paying it's, for your eyeballs. It's just outrageous um it and it's divisive and it's it's the worst i hate it and it's gotten worse and worse and worse so i've so i'm like dude I'm, I'm already like fucked up enough like i don't need to watch the news so so i'm not changing just because i now why, why invite that into your life that's my thing is like life is hard enough why invite that you bullshit? are not invited yeah you're not invited i love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks for saying that dude. you're welcome so yeah so again so i'll i'm not gonna all of a sudden in the busiest week of my entire fucking existence with 3,250 people slated to come to the event that we have tirelessly worked to make un to be unbelievable from not only for the participant from a, uh, this is really hard and this course is really gorgeous to like the support is there, the Jeep club, the whole thing. But, but the entertainment side, I had 10 bands scheduled for the very first time. I had 10 bands slated for Friday from all over the place, all over the place, mostly pretty, pretty, close by but dude my ex-roommate from college uh palmer davidson his band from lawrence in kansas city came down we had dane in the soup from oklahoma city we had a, my friend jeremy spring um originally from abandoned kansas in wichita like hasn't toured the world but has toured the country countless times phenomenal bands dude phenomenal bands and then of course me and my homies are gonna play two covers we played 
uh, Thin Lizzy, Jailbreak, and we played um, kind of a My Chemical Romance cover version of um, of uh, Queen um, Under Pressure. And we did that, and of course I do Country Roads because that's I'm I'm going to do Country Roads at the Riders Meeting, the Runner Riders Runners event participant meeting for the rest of time like because we should all sing together i love that why not even if you're real bad at singing <laughs> and you're at mid-south i want you to experience what that feels like and to just sing it man like country roads take me home, take me home it's so good country road. and now it's become the thing and i don't i don't I, I don't ever want to just be known for like these these very pointed very public very very you know, like outlandish things like, oh, country roads, of course. Like, okay, it's Bobby at Mid-South, whatever. Oh, he hugs everybody. Oh, he's super stoked. I, I want to be known for more than that. I want to well, be known that I'm like, I'm thinking about this shit, you know? Yeah. And I thought about it. But humans are complicated. There's levels. Yeah. Like, the, all those things are Bobby. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more, too. A lot more. So, we've been working super hard. Our heads are down. We're talking to, I mean, even, even a huge company from Boston... Well, the HQs in Boston, Vittoria is out of Italy. They, they they didn't actually make the call until Thursday, yeah. until after again, the NBA. So if it yeah, they were been there in town in the same hotel. It it was very very it was crazy. And he was like, yeah, we saw the players in the hallway. Like we gotta go. We've been exposed potentially. And I'm like, oh. And then it just started to like set in. So then I go come back to Vermont Overland flannel. Jared's in the kitchen with me. It's just me and him, and I look Jared in the face, and I'm dude. I, I haven't told anybody this, like outside the crew, but I was like, "Am I doing something wrong? Like, am I? Do I? Am I going to cancel this race?" And Jared's not a part of the team per se. He is 100 percent a part of the family, but he was just you know coming in to be a mechanic and to be a part of the shop and to to help like run district while the event's happening. And he was just like, I can't believe I got on a plane. I can't believe I'm here. This feels super weird. Again, pre-mask, pre-social distancing. The word social distancing hadn't even become a part of our vocabulary yet. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. So we're on the cusp of this, and I'm talking with the no mayor. No one knew what it was. And I told, him, I told the mayor, and I told Norm McNichol, I told the city manager time and time again, every time we spoke in that, 40, it was like a 48-hour period, if I remember right. I said, we are full gas until we are not. And that is up to you, and I will follow your lead, and I will do whatever you tell me. And if you tell me that we are off, we are off. Right. And I will do that. Yeah. And, dude, some of the phone calls of the eight phone calls, one, a couple of them were just, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. Are you, are you okay? And Who's calling? Like, the city manager. Yeah. And, I'm, and Norm's like, is everything all right? And I'm like, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Is everything okay? And he's like, everything's good. We're good. I'm like, yeah. we're good. They were also scared that we were going to cancel, but also but, but but terrified that we weren't going to cancel. Like it was like they're they're watching the sword. situation, right? So yeah, they're so probably I, watching. The, I mean, I'm not saying that they watch the news because I don't know if they do, but I'm assuming. But but I okay because from I'm watching your Twitter, perspective as a business owner, you turn it over to the city officials and said, listen, you know, as a business owner. We're moving forward. Yep. You you run the city. You make the rules. If you shut it down, we shut down. They can we'll, pull our permit. They can do whatever they right. want. Because right? we had so to we apply for you know people probably shut the streets if they wanted to. Well, well, right, right. So I mean, Sally and I both, you know, her more than I, 
you know, the city, the mandate, right? Not the mandate, uh, not, not, not the right word. The, the, the protocol for special events is that if you're shutting down a street and if there's a business or an office, lawyer, doctor, whatever that exists on that street, you must get a handwritten signature from the business owner or the property owner that says that they're okay with street closure. Okay. And we have to, you have to get like a certain percentage or whatever. And we normally get, almost get a hundred percent because everybody knows now and it's cool, but we still have to do it. We still have to go to the courthouse right there and, you know, do the whole deal. And so like we had done all of that. We had the permits, we had all the street closures, we had everything turned on and they could have 100% have said, absolutely not. The city isn't coming out with any barricades. No streets will be closed. Your permit is out. You could be fined, blah, blah, blah. And it, and it was just, dude, it was like the thinnest tightrope that we were all walking. I was freaking out, dude, freaking out without actually freaking out. I was just like, <laughs> are we doing the right? And I just kept sat. It's I like would, walking on eggshells. Yeah, dude. You're I, just like, this I, could fall apart at any second. running on them and I was stomping on them, you know, <laughs> but, it, but it was like, they were, they were falling apart because people were canceling left and right. People that were driving. Jared Bunk, who does stuff for the Radivist, and he owns Hope Cyclery, which was one of our yeah. partner shops this year. Yeah, Jared. Jared shout yeah, out Jared. Yeah, shout out Jared. Hope. I believe in hope. Jared almost made it. Like, yeah, I think he made it to like Missouri. Mm. And he called me. He's like, Bobby, I'm turning around. I'm driving yeah. driving back to jo John's There's people town. I knew that were driving, not like personally, but just I saw them on Instagram, people who were driving to your event and then would like and turned around like halfway or whatever i mean that's that's the timeline that we're talking about here yeah dude it's crazy aria and and like nam if you knew her as nam and and um ultra romance they made it to town and like reluctantly like fit like elbow bumped and they were like we love you guys so much but like um aria's sister's pregnant she's about to have a baby we're like we're, we're just gonna keep moving yeah we're out we're out of here there's and an it was crazy. There's an interesting thing that I think about. Everyone thought I was going to be mad at them too. Oh, why? Because they were like, they thought they were letting me down by not coming. It's like the sponsors, the See, vendors. The, well, that's what them. I was about to say like, is, is, is I no, like the I idea of free will. Yes. Is that you, I mean, look, it's easy to sit here and be like, yeah, bro, you should have, it shouldn't have happened. Right. I mean, right. I mean, maybe especially that's, that's, in retrospect, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's easy to sit now and, and, and maybe say that, but like, there's something to be said for, you know, you're following what they said. Officials are, are telling you is okay. Um, there isn't all these, you know, mandates and recommendations that had, had come down later on. Um, and, and there is this idea of free will, right? Like absolutely no, nobody is, is making, uh, ultra romance or Aria, uh, race. You didn't make them race and you also didn't make anybody else race. No. Um, we didn't make but, anybody become a sponsor. Like it's right, up to them. Right. What does this mean to you? I ask every sponsor that I ask every person that complains about the structure, the process, the price of the event. It's like, dude, no one's forcing you to be here. It's up to you or woman, like it's up to you or, or non-binary person or whatever. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's up to you. It is. If you want to be a part of you what can, we're doing. You can throw a party, yeah. but it doesn't mean anybody has to come. Exactly. You know, but and the there's lots of parties that nobody comes to. <laughs> man, that's incredible perspective, man. I never thought of that. It's so true. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just I just don't like it when people dismantle a single person for something like this. You know what I'm saying? And I mean that across the board, not Me just too. in this one instance. Oh yeah. You know, and and you know, the <clears throat> thing is is like well, let me ask you this. We've all for the last 18 months been like in a state of all these things we've talked about, like shock uncertainty, like shock, just like just surprise, just dealing with a new reality, stress. But we constantly learned. thinking that you have COVID, constantly thinking that every time you feel like the tiniest bit sick, <laughs> that you have it and that you might give it to others. Right. It's fear, crazy anxiety, like shit that I never thought. But again, like you said, man, I've found some sort of unbelievable peace in shutting off all this other shit that was going on in my life and stop, no, no travel, none. I was traveling like crazy, oh, yeah. like crazy, dude. And then all of a sudden, nope. I'm just home. Kids aren't in school. We're all together all the time. At the shop, our crew is so small. It was pretty amazing. But I feel so 100% privileged again to even be able to say that because other people died. Other people got sick. Other people lost their jobs. Yeah. And then the bike industry exploded. We had a huge year in 2020. and But also we were really, really, really stressed out and fucking terrified most of that time also. Yeah. So like we can't forget it. It's just you almost sometimes just can't have one without the other. It's it's crazy. So this is what I was thinking about. Oh, sorry, and no, no, no. I I, I want to hear what you had to say. Um, <laughs> we've been sitting with all this stuff for so long, and now I'm starting to ask the question. The vaccines are rolling out. I mean, I was in Walmart with my daughters uh, yesterday or the day before, or whatever. Sweet. And and there's the the sign at the very front that says free vaccines, uh, you know, no appointment required, just wow. roll in and stick it in your arm and, and get on with your, and, and let's say that America is, is way more fortunate than, than other countries. Absolutely I, I feel, we are, I think, right? man, I want to say my, my heart goes out to other countries that are, Me that too. are not, that don't have the access to the test to the vaccines that we do to transportation because to clean now, water well yeah we like, can go like, on, we can and go on, on and on yeah shelter yeah but even like in canada like my, my boy miles arbor shout out my i haven't done a shout out yeah. shout out miles arbor what up miles <laughs> i don't know miles but i'd like to meet bikepacking.com oh oh yeah yeah, yeah you oh, know yeah. oh i know miles sorry yeah. i know logan super well and i know lucas so I, yeah yeah he's one of the bikepacking.com crew and he actually wrote Sick. the uh he wrote the intro song to uh the bikes the bikes oh, that's song. right oh that that's is right miles arbor tight so as miles, a musician you gotta appreciate Shout that out. it's so good dude. i didn't i gotta say like i didn't know about that he just totally surprised me i remember like, you saying that yeah it's pretty pretty cool but i i wonder i'm starting like vaccines are real you know we are starting to open up i mean i am here right now we're both vaxxed and we're we both are, vaxxed you know we are talking and life is i mean this is amazing right this is like dude it's incredible it's like a whole new world is i know open. so my question is what does your whole new world look like you know what have you learned and what have you taken away and what yeah what is so i've been living with the answer is yes what's the question since i'm uh, basically since I was born, I, I was living that before Skogan gave me that story and that, that piece of whatever you want to call it, advice or like mantra or ethos. Sometimes I feel ethos. like you have these ideas, but they don't crystallize until somebody else says it in a particular it, way. Yes. And you're like, oh, that's what, it, you know, you're like, oh shit, I've been doing that. Yeah. But it just like, it comes into form. And so the pandemic gave us an incredible gift of like the answer is no, like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to that wedding. 
I'm not going to that funeral or we're not or having bike race. We're not having a wedding. We're not having a bike race. We're not having a reunion. We're not having a birthday party. We're, you know, all these things just, and then we got, we had all these zoom meetings instead. And we tried to be social and communal through different ways. New digital media has just absolutely exploded. People are working from home, like all of this shit. So dude, what I think the second that vaccine vaccines became readily available. And I knew that I was, I was going to be vaccinated and a few of my, like a bunch of my friends and stuff started to kick back on. So for me in my world, it's bike races, right? It's bike yeah. events. It's bike shop shit. I, I got invited to five things in a week. However many month, like what a month ago now, it's yeah. been a month or so since we've been like all fully, pretty much fully vaxxed at the at district. And, and I was like, no, 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 no. And then the last one was Travis from Houston, Dubois. Mm -hmm. And I said, and he was like, Bobby, uh, Rafa is doing these uh, prestige rides all over the world. And they have one in Aspen on August 7th. And me and two other homies from Houston want to go. And I, do you want to go? And it's like 200 bucks, four person team thing. We stick together. And I said, dude, I've said no to like, literally everything that's come onto my plate because that's been the way I've been operating this past 18 months. Yeah. And the answer is yes, let's go. So we're signed up, we're going. And so now I've like cracked the, I've cracked the yes door open. Yeah. A, just a smidge. Um, and it's kind of scary. It's like, it's not scary. It's exciting, but it's, it's like, it, it was hard to say yes the first time. It was weird. Are you are you like shell shock from twenty twenty mid south still from the from the backlash of that to where you're like so hesitant to to get going again? I think I did maybe, but I think the true answer is that I have really been enjoying my time uh, at home. Yeah, and it, and and I, of course again I'm out of terribly out of shape. And we didn't invite everyone here, but I, I had the most incredible ride at Mid-South, it incredibly socially distanced 2021 and got to see our roads on event day for the very first time on my bike, every single millimeter of the course. And it gave me this deep, deep love that I thought I had. But it just, again, man, it just went, it went even deeper, just like the relationships at the bike shop, just like the relationships in our community of our smaller bubble went deeper that I, I didn't, right. I didn't think it could. That's what I think and is so that it was like, going to be taken. We, we, all those things were taken away. So yeah. now what the value that they have is so much greater. So much greater. So now it's like, now I'm picking and choosing what, what, okay, what am I doing? Where am I going? We had pretty much as a, as a crew planned not to go to Unbound because we didn't think it was going to happen. We didn't think Unbound was going to happen. Um, and, and actually, I know, I, you know, I just, I, I know those, that crew very well. So I knew the conversations that were going on and I knew like the internal, you know, vibe of like, oh, it, it's going to have to be pared down. It's going to have to be distanced and potentially wave starts. What does that look like? I think wave starts for pandemic, like we talked about what the wave start was going to look like. And we potentially thought that the start of Mid-South 2021, if it had been in person and socially distanced was going to be like an hour plus long affair of 
lined up yeah. all the way down. Yeah. And we were like, how in the fuck are we going to do this? <laughs> and it, stre- it stressed me out so bad that I was like, I can't even think about it, you guys. Like, I, I, I don't even want to put pencil to paper on, on what the groups look like, who gets to go first. What if somebody in a later group goes faster than the first person that goes across the line? We're not going to be able to celebrate the finish line. The finish line was going to be a, a ghost town. We were just going to have it set up and no one was going to be there. I wasn't going to be there. And that was some of the biggest motivation for me to ride the the distance version uh, this year anyway was because, dude, Crystal was like, you're going to be a mess. And everyone that comes and finishes, you're going to want to go and high five them and hug them, even though you're not going to do it. You're going to want to, and it's going to tear you to pieces. So you should just spend your entire day out on the course instead. And that was like, that to me, that was like, okay, damn. I'm going to ride, I guess. Yeah. And like, all right, here's all my shit. Like, let's put my bike together. It ended up being like 17 pounds, by the way. Sick. (laughs) Sick. You can build a storm chaser to be like super light. 17 pounds. Oh, yeah. What gear did you run? 42.21. It was two to one. Really? Mm -hmm. That seems pretty stiff. I walked. For an out of shaper. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, no, the hills were super hard. I brought my single speed. Yeah, what is it? 3217. Yeah, hell yeah. It's a mountain bike, right? It's flat bar. It's a mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a little different, like, you know, being able to get, like, and especially our stuff, our courses, the Mid-South, dude, it is, even if it's not muddy, it's perfect for single speed because it's just, you can just bring all your momentum and your speed down and then up and then you crush, 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 get to the top and then you do it again. Yeah. And then that's how we get 6,000 feet of climbing in 103 miles. It's sick, dude. <laughs> I can't wait. I, there's oh, a little, yeah. I think it's like a 20 mile loop. Like if you just uh-huh. get on and, and go around Lake McMurtry, it's like 20 miles. Did and Seth I, talk I, to you about I'm, that? I'm, huh? Did Seth talk to you about that uh-huh. route? That's Seth and I's. That's our coffee. It's called the coffee route, the coffee ride. Oh, okay. So we're like, hey, you want to do the coffee ride? And then, and th- so what we always do, we bring all our shit to make coffee most of the time. And then we ride from town to McMurtry. We make coffee and then we do that, that loop that you're going to do tomorrow. So yeah, that's, that's it. Now I'm looking forward to it. I've, I mean, I'm trying to ride single speed only yes. unless I'm bikepacking. Yes. That's the one area where I haven't been ready to like give up single speed. And when you're carrying like an extra 25 or 30 pounds of gear, I'm just like, no. Just talk to Seth, man. You already did, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. No, I mean, Bailey, Seth. Oh, I know, Bailey. I mean, y'all, y'all are some tough motherfuckers. And I, I respect Dude. it, but I use the single, I'm like training on the single speed for, um, to get ready so I can take on like some Arkansas steep climbs Dude. with a geared bike. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going to need it. Absolutely. No, you will. You're, well, that's gonna get that's gonna whip you into shape perfectly, dude. That's gonna be sick. That's a plan. That's a plan. Yeah, I I, I named my uh, gut Charlie. So, yeah. um, <laughs> fat Carl. <laughs> yeah, I uh, Charlie. I love it. Yeah, I had a family meeting with the girls. We all put our goals for the summer, and mine was to evict Charlie. So he's got an official eviction notice. Your time is up, Charlie. <laughs> it's time to move out. <laughs> oh man that's incredible there's too much of me right now no too much bobby yeah dude there's too much of me too i I know i know and it's you know it's funny because you talked about 17 pounds and you're like but i'm carrying around an extra 20 it's just it's just yeah it's a wash but it's a dude it is a wash 2020 is a fucking wash it was a wash and i hope we all got out as you know God, what a fucking rough time. But none of us got out unscathed. None of us. I no, don't believe that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah there's, no, yeah. I do. I, I believe I know, what I, you're I, saying. I, I got you. I'm on. I'm tracked. So, okay. Let me, I think I need to get to the meat of your question of deciding not to cancel. 
again, another, this is a, a lesson that I hope that we, I don't need. You don't need to use this lesson ever, ever again. Because yeah. we're never going to have a pandemic again. Hopefully ever again in our lifetime hopefully this will be the only time we've learned from it and we have money and some things in place like you know correct you know preventative from, measures from yeah you know, for world the health. smart people that are running this fucking planet that we run on for those motherfuckers to figure this shit out so that we can ride our goddamn bikes can i get an amen <laughs> amen and to fly in planes and to visit cool places you know and to go see to do the normal shit, to, to do the things that we do normally, to go to the grocery store and it's not feel fuck, like a bad person for doing it. It's to, fucked up how dude. American, well, just people were made to feel like criminals. I, I It's just so crazy. Absolutely. Everybody was wrong. Everybody was wrong. Everyone was wrong. And, you our, were, you and, were and, too and as woke. far as I'm concerned, the, our, our leaders did a terrible job of leading. A hundred percent. And and I think that's what I hope. And I'm not a political person. Me but neither, Here's dude. the thing is like, when you have a global worldwide pandemic and you're expecting Bobby Wintle to get it right at Mid-South on, on whether he should freaking <laughs> start it or not, and you can't even fucking run the government, like, give me a goddamn break. It pisses me off, Thank you. you know? Thank it's you. It's like, let's get some leadership and then we know exactly what we should be doing. Right. And and during it, yeah, our governor declares a state of emergency, but yet we 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 didn't know what that meant, and we and and we didn't oh, know Texas is wide the fuck over. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, but like, the oh, your governor, of, yeah, yeah, our governor during, yeah, our governor the week of like the day of the race, it was like it's been announced, it's happening, literally while the race is already going on, and so we're already pared down to less than half, right? We got fourteen hundred people that checked in. And I'm checking in. Like, I want people to know. I was talking with, and I'm not putting the responsibility on their shoulders because I'll take it too. Because I said it. I will do whatever is right. And I, dude, I was 100%, 50% conflicted. Yes, this is the right answer. No, this is the, we must shut it off. I can't imagine. Oh, dude. And it sounds like you're... Your um, it, I mean, it's like America's fifty percent conflicted, right? Yes, and and fifty percent of your people didn't show up for the race. It's right. like it was their choice too. That comes back to the free will. I know you don't have to come. You don't have to. Come. And we deferred. We made the choice. So Sally was like, Bobby, we need to, or Crystal, maybe I don't remember who, but one of those two, incredibly strong women, said, "We must offer deferral now." Like we're not doing hugs, and I was like, "Yes." Nope, I don't want to touch anyone anyway. That's fine. And of course, again, all the photos that got shared were the, I told, we talked about this earlier, right when I got here, the 15 best homies or like most excited people I was excited to see at the finish. I did give them hugs during a pandemic. Did never got, I never got COVID. I never got it once. I think I, I even thought like, shit, if anybody's going to get this thing, <laughs> it's me. I'm so social. How the fuck am I not going to, go see my friends and travel and go to places. And I, I mean, I paired it way back. I paired it way back. I made, I made my local stops. Like I did my thing, of course, with the shop. Like I went to UPS to drop things off and tried not to touch or see anyone. I always wore a mask. I would go to the post office. I would go, you know, we'd order food for pickup at Chipotle or whatever. And I would just be in and out. I'd wait till it was ready to pick up at the window. Yeah. So, but no, you I got with I, the program. Yeah. You weren't and, an anti- Anti-masker, no, 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 you weren't. No, no. Yeah, yeah, no. And we 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 shut off the the retail store at the, we shut off the floor at at the shop, and we had sometimes one at a time, but a lot of times we just we set up a point of sale. Crystal sat at the front door, checked in bikes. We were busier 
than we've ever been and nobody was in the shop and it was like it was super weird and it was also amazing we could get so much done we were so productive it was unreal <laughs> and then like i, I owned a uh, retail business for four years a golf retail okay store. yeah so, so think I, about that. i know the retail game think about not allowing people to come well the door. customers are the biggest distraction <laughs> they're the best distraction the can best we, distraction. can we call them that like that's how i feel at the shop anyway i but, have but a, they are i have a bitter experience with my retail experience so um, we all have we all have those i think you've cultivated an excellent retail experience and i think you should be commended for that Thank you, i man. think that it is incredibly hard to do and if you think about all the retail stores that you've been in in your entire life not just cycling but if you just think i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna have a shopping experience yes it's not easy to do. There's books and books and books written on it. There's Harvard, you know, master degrees, whatever. Absolutely. They're like trying to figure out the, you know, why do people buy something and all this stuff. And, and that's a book I read actually, Why Do People Buy? And it's actually like a, have you read that one? No, but I know about it. Uh, it's a very good one. Um, but I, I digress. I do want to segue into your, uh, your bicycle shop, District Bicycles. Can we totally. segue into that? Absolutely. Because... We've talked obviously a lot about Mid South, and that's a huge Mid South, and that is a huge part of you. Oh yeah, but and the organization too, as as a whole. If you want to look at it as a whole, yes, absolutely. But uh, District Bikes came first. Yeah. So really, I'd love to hear. So why? The, like, how did you get into owning a bike shop? So, Crystal and I met in November of two thousand and four the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and I'll try and make this short, but basically I, I was, in, I was in a band at the time. I'd been in band since I was 15. I quit baseball. I've been playing baseball since I was four. My dad had been my coach. Like I just, I was never big enough. Like I never got, I tried, I wasn't big. I wasn't lifting weights. I tried, I hated it. Like I wasn't doing well in athletics. And so I, so, so, so much to the point that even in high school, I was just sitting on the bench, but I'd been in choir since middle school. I'd been in show choir. I'd been in, and then I got into music company in high school. When you're a sophomore, you can try out for music company, which is like the, the, like the top, like the elite. And we do show choir stuff, but we also do competition and up to like 16 part acapella type shit. So music. Acapella meaning that you're also going to bop, ba -doop, ba -doop, ba -doop, or whatever. Oh yeah, I mean acapella is like no accompaniment. So acapella right. means so it's are you making only vocal and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so in that case, um, we were doing a lot of Latin pieces, and so we would do no accompaniment. So our our director would sit down at competitions, and we, we would count off the time, and then we would start. And then every if it's if it's sixteen part, that means that every single part has two. So tenor. There's two tenors, there's two altos, two sopranos, two bass. So well, actually, that's just that's eight. But then sometimes we'd go to 16. So anyway, it was crazy. I, I don't know a ton about music theory, obviously. But I was I, music has been and will always be my true first love. And so when I met Crystal, I was in In Your Honor. So Christian metal band. We got signed to a really small record label out of Joplin, Missouri called Red Letter Records. Whoa. We were all like 18, 19, well, we were 19, 19 at the time. And um, what, what was the name of the band again? In Your Honor. In Your and Honor. And then we started Man, the band so good. in 2004. Who came with the band name? Um, so we originally we're going to be called So I Guess This Is Goodbye. And our first show we played in Pittsburgh, Kansas as So I Guess This Is Goodbye. 
but we, man, this could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but basically, this we, doesn't have to be the only one. We, we could, there, there we can always be a part. We two. can do whatever you want. So I, I, I can't remember, but I'm going to say Ryan Ellis, who was our, our lead singer, I think actually decided he came up with the name because we were trying to come up with something that was, you know, I, you know, pointing in the direction of, of, of God, you know, of like our Lord and Savior, right? So like, cause that's, that was what we were doing. That was our whole entire thing. Under oath, you know, as cities burn, like August burns red. There, there were, you know, Norma Jean, me without you, like all those bands, right? Like if you were raised, like, do you know any of these bands I'm talking about? I was raised Mormon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Sick, dude. Yeah. So Sick. mine was like, Put your shoulder to the wheel, push along. <laughs> Do your duty with the heart full of song. It was like that. And mine is like, As Cities Burn, because I became a Christian at 18, and As Cities Burn was one of the first kind of like screamo, kind of like hardcore bands that I got into. And my worship was like, regret, like over and over, like as loud. I regret. Yeah, like, dude, dude, the Chariot, Norma Jean, Josh Scogan, like, Oh man. Uh, anyway, so we're doing our thing. Crystal and I meet. We're long distance for a year and a half immediately. She's already at Emporia State. I'm still in Parsons, Kansas, going to Labette Community College. Met all the guys from the band Doug Dodd, Ryan Shepard, our original drummer. Reed ended up being our drummer after the fact, after Ryan left the band. Uh, but Ryan recorded the record with us. Ryan Ellis was the lead singer who I'd known since third grade. Drew Jones was our synth player. Him and I shared a cubby in second grade. Um, <laughs> known him forever. Uh, Greg Shelton was our other guitar player and myself. And uh, so it was crazy, dude. It was a crazy time. And going on tour at that age was unbelievably fun, but also terrifying. And like we weren't, you know, drinking or doing anything because we, were, we weren't 21 yet and we, we weren't partying like, bands bands party like what you think rock and roll like we weren't there yet by no means but we recorded an album we spent so much time on it we we were so intentional and so i quit the band to get married basically to, to propose to crystal and to move to emporia and in that time frame i had worked for a local business uh the menagerie this really small restaurant that went from a small coffee shop sandwich shop to like full-on restaurant like full on steak, chicken, cordon bleu, like whole deal, like so sick. Still had coffee, still, they were opening a bar element. Really cool place in Parsons. Awesome. I was super stoked to be a part of it. And I watched all the things that they did wrong. You never tell the customer they're wrong. Never, never. The answer is yes. What's the question? I'd been doing it this whole time. And I, and I had my regulars and I took care of them and I had a blast, a blast. And they went under and I thought I could do this. And I was 18 and I wrote a business plan in my intro to business class. I'm a communication major. So career, I got my career in professional, my bachelor of arts from Emporia State and, and basically like communication theory. But I took, you know, one of my electives, I took a business class, intro to business, and I wrote this business plan for a coffee shop. And I've asked, I, I, at the time when Crystal and I met, I was working for McCarty's Office Supplies. Um, and so there's still an office supply store in Parsons, Kansas. And I was a, a truck driver, like the, not the truck, but it was like a tiny delivery, little, like yeah. a tiny little, so I would do pallets of paper at, you know, and I would deliver like a chair and I'd put the chair together, whatever, or, you'd, you or a file cabinet. basically worked on the office. Pins. I'd send like, yes, dude. I, yes. It was like Dunder Mifflin, but yeah. I was, 
I was taking the reams of paper to yeah, the Yeah, you were selling their, whatever they sold, you were taking it. And most of the women, most of the people that I would deliver to were the off, like front office people, and it was mostly women. Yeah. So I, I would ask them, if I bought all the recipes from the menagerie of, of their menu, basically, the sandwiches, and I paired it back down to unbelievable coffee, espresso, we had a coffee shop again, and we had sandwiches, and we were open, you know, like wood... Like, would you guys come? Like, would your like church groups meet there? You know, because of course that was like a part of my narrative at the time. And they were like, Bobby, we're, 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 we're everything short of begging you to do this. Like, do it. And so I, I, you know, that was my first thought of, man, I think I could understand how to be integral, like inter- integral into a community and add value into a community and then also make it my occupation. So I meet Crystal and she's like, I've wanted to own my own business since I was eight years old. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. Okay. Well, I'm really into this idea. So we wrote a business plan for a coffee shop together on top of that. Okay. And then I quit the band. I proposed to her all really quickly, moved to Emporia and uh, transferred everything. During two weeks, I transferred every credit, every single college credit from Lebec County Community College to Emporia State. All my stuff came over. I found a job. I found a place to live. Two weeks. It was done. And I did all that, actually, before I quit the band and didn't tell a soul. Not my dad, not my mom, not my... Had you already proposed? No. So you did all that and you hadn't even proposed yet? Yep. Goddamn. Yep, I know. All in. And I'd ask the guys. The answer is yes. What's the question? I asked. I had, yes. I'd asked the guys. I'd kind of been like, "Hey, Crystal's going to graduate this May," and it was it was May of '06, and I was like, "She's graduating with her biology degree from ESU," but I still had a couple of years of college left, and we were all quitting. the 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 conversation summer of '06 is that we were all quitting school, and we were going full gas into the band. And I we had set up a showcase show with uh, Mark Lee Townsend, who had produced every single Reliant K record. And we had a showcase show with him in Nashville and we were like, this is it. Like we're doing this. And like Reliant K was a huge band at the time. And so. Help me understand. Sure. Like, so I knew she was. You basically like quit the band for Crystal. I asked the guys about her coming with us on the next tour. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no girls in the van. Why? We were 19. We were 19. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and none of us, Greg and Megan had been together forever and greg and megan are still together they're married and they're happy happy and and you know and mad too all the time I'm sure like every every relationship so it was like my and, daughter was watching this show just uh, earlier today and like one of the band members it was like i can't remember it was a show from like the 90s like a sitcom but one of the band members got a girlfriend and and the solution was that the other band member would get a girlfriend, but the end result was like everything went to shit. Absolutely. And so that was kind of <laughs> like their concern is like Bobby's going to bring this girl, and and maybe we maybe. didn't talk about okay. it much. Yeah. And so of course the the I'm just building there. No, no, in no. My head. I love it. I love it. The mistake that I made is that I didn't. I made a decision in my head that, well, if she's not coming. I don't want to go, we'd already been long distance a year and a half. So we'd done this tour, we'd recorded the record and she was in Poria. And so we had never, ever lived in the same place. And it was like, I was like, no, I I don't, I want this to work. I want to, I want to try and make this work. So, so when I asked them and their answer was no, I didn't say like, well, in that case, like maybe I'm going to take off. I just started building the pieces to move on because I was like, well, if she can't come, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. But, it, but my mistake, 
and my apology to those guys who are still some of my best friends in the entire world, and I've, I've told them this to their face, is I should have talked through the process more. And I, I left everyone out. Yeah. Literally everyone except Crystal. And she was just like, I mean, of course I want to, she, she was hesitant about me moving up there. I mean, you know, it's a huge, we, we didn't move in together either, by the no, way. No, you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I moved I, in. I did pick up on that. Okay, like, you yeah. got a place. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I moved in with a, like a, in a house with like three, there were three or four other guys that lived there. And then, and then again, like I didn't move in with her after that, after she graduated and we were, we were engaged even, I didn't move in. Like we didn't do, you know, we, we did the traditional, yeah. like Christian. Sure like keep it separate like do you know like what anticipation the whole deal it was wild it was crazy <laughs> so anyway and we'd been we'd been dating for like two and a half years when, when we got married but anyway i found all that shit i had to call the band like the 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 house the house the job transferred credits and then i called a band meeting and the guys were living in my grandma's old house like the house basically i grew up in so when my parents were at work i would be at this house on belmont in seven like yeah 17th and belmont downtown parsons basically downtown big old cool white house like three stories and uh the guys lived there at the time and i wanted to move in really bad and my dad talked me out of it which dad thinks that was good advice because i saved a lot of money and just stayed at home for my first couple years of college and anyway dude i called him in and i was like i'm moving to emporia and i'm quitting the band and we had just gone on tour and we had a record that we just released in March and we hadn't even like had a chance yet. And we weren't amazing, but we weren't bad. Well, and yeah. we had tons of potential, I think. Um, I really do. I, I say that and I'm, I say that with full confidence. And uh, do we, every single one of us cried. Like it was a mess. It sucked. That was a harder decision than deciding whether or not to do Mid-South 2020. Like Mid-South 2020 was like, it was in motion, right? So it was like a, it was like a freight. So what I want to, I want to, I want to cap that. Okay. It was a freight train of three. Think about you having 3,250 people, not including sponsors, not including media, not including the industry, not including locals, not oh, including people. just, just people that the have people that, that, that show that up to the party that make it a party, right. and that make it matter. That number only, only relates to the people that paid for a ticket to ride yeah. or run. It was an absolute freight train until the NBA was canceled on Wednesday. And then it was like, does a freight train stop quickly? No. Mm. When it's a tie at the tracks, you lose because the train can't stop. And so that's how I feel about it. So I want everyone to think about being on a freight train and not having their hand on the brake because they actually don't know how the brake technically works because the answer is yes. And what is the question? And you are moving. And you're moving in with full stoke because your intention is not to make money, your intention is not to hurt others or put them in danger's way or to just at all costs put on this race. Your intention is stoke and life-changing experience. And that train does not stop easily. And so I told the two people that had the opportunity to pull the permit that I would do it if they said that that was the case. And then I had all my friends drive away and I had sponsors, huge sponsors, not deliver on their side of the contract. But I never even brought that up. And I don't give a fuck. I don't care at all. Like, I, I didn't, our next conversations, they're like apologizing. Bobby, we didn't show up. We didn't fulfill this and that. And I'm like, Ken, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I just want you to be safe. Yeah. And I want you to feel comfortable. And like, you have to do what your corporation says also. So like, all of it, dude, I was just torn 
completely in half. And then for 20 days, 20 days after Mid-South 2020, I was absolutely terrified that I was going to get a phone call that someone had contracted COVID and that everyone had it and that I was killing people yeah. and I was killing people's grandparents. And it made me feel like a responsibility and a, and a, and a, and a loathing for myself and a hatred and a, and a disappointment in myself that I, I don't, I don't ever want to feel again. I can believe that. And I was terrified. It's and like that race we were talking about, the responsibility you had when those uh, racers went out and they contracted hypothermia, oh, yeah, like dude. 15 of them. Dude, unbelievable. And, but, like, but it's like, it's like taking broken. that times a, a million because of the, you know, um, the, the cause and effect of what, you know, the, the domino. Because there's no telling. Yeah, there's no, there's no telling. And the information was so limited still at the time that we didn't know. So we sent out, and uh, their situation ended up much worse than ours. Like it's devastating. But our, our, ours ended up, we sent out a survey. Have any of you uh, found out now that you're home that you were either exposed to COVID before you went or that you've been, you think that maybe you've, you think that maybe you've tested positive since you've been, been here. Mm -hmm. And we got one response back from a girl in DC who said, I found out that I was with someone who has contracted it and I'm getting tested now. And she got her test and she said, came back negative. I'm good. Everything's good. Literally 1400 participants that checked in one email and that, nothing else happened. And that doesn't mean that you made the right decision. It, no, exactly. That, that means exactly. that you didn't kill anybody. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm laughing. No, no, no. Um, right. I'm laughing too. Like, I mean, I'm not laughing, but I know what you mean. It's just like relief. It's like a relief laughter of like, because, holy because, shit, like because, this could have happened. Because in days after it, it's like, it becomes more it and heavy. more apparent, you know, apparent. Dude. It's like, it's like, oh shit, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And I get it, man. I get it. And it was I so mean, politicized. And you like, don't want to hurt. You love these people, man. You're not, yes. you're not in the business of like hurting people. Oh man. Well, <laughs> Maybe a little. Not in that way. <laughs> Not in that way. <laughs> Not in that way. But and I, I would prescribe the idea that the type of hurt that you offer people is a type of hurt that makes is, them better. Is lost in our current society with all the luxuries and everything that you were talking about earlier. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Convenience, and convenience, convenience. We don't have access to to struggle anymore. We don't have access Correct. to hurting and pain and pulling through and overcoming adversity, like physical, hard adversary. We don't have that, right? We have right. to go out and seek it. And you provide that to people. And those things are life-changing for people who experience it. And that's the thing is like, you're not only dealing with, you know, the virus and all this, but you're also dealing with you know that you're about to give people the opportunity to go through those experiences and share that with them at the finish line. Yes, and that's exactly why the finish line is a celebration to the max. It is a celebration to a degree of which I want it to just be untethered. I want it to be uninhibited joy. It's like this is our space. When I think about the finish line at Mid-South, I think this is our, we, this you know, like there's a reverence. Oh, it's a re do yes, but it's a wild but reverence. It, but, it's, but it is. It's it's wide, and this hundred by twenty four foot space is fucking ours, and we can do whatever we want. And I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Yeah, like w within confines. Well, but sure. but but like I mean, we you're can not trying get, to put on a porn no, show. Right, right, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Bike <laughs> 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 and uh, and what I mean is that it's 
uninhibited celebration and joy. I've had people, dude, on a tandem. These two guys did the race on a tandem in 2018, 2019, and they ordered a pizza and had it delivered to 7th and Duck. And I couldn't tell. I didn't see it happen. And they stopped the tandem and the car met them there and they got the pizza and then they rode with the stoker carrying the pizza down the finish line and opened it up and they're like we ordered this pizza and just <laughs> picked it up had it delivered at the corner to bring down the finish line and i lost my ever-loving mind dude like what other race does that happen at? i don't know please tell me because i don't know i've never been to one yeah. i've never loved the finish line of a race as a participant so much that i ordered a pizza before i got to the corner or felt like it would be appropriate to do such, but they knew it. They knew the answer was yes. What's the question? I've had fireball after fireball after fireball shot given to me, and you know, the crew, the shop being like, you need to like chill out. Probably like something bad's gonna happen if you get too drunk. So we do check that. But like, you know, people carrying a PBR the whole way just to give it to me at the end. Wow. And like, or or I, you know, this is mid south from the Oasis at eighty, and like they brought two and. We crack them at the finish, and then we have more at the finish. I bring, I have a, a forklift, bring a pallet of Mid-South to the finish line, and I pay for all of it just so everyone can have a beer if they want, or a Coke, or water if they want at the finish. Yeah. You know? I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what the question is anymore. I, uh, <laughs> you, you already answered the question, and now I want to reel you back to another one. I want to know, and this is completely unbike related and maybe we'll edit it out, but what was it about Crystal? I have to ask. She's, I mean, a com- she's a complete opposite of me. She's a complete opposite of me. And, you know, everyone says opposites attract, right? You know, opposites attract. I've always, so I, I would, I, I have a theory. Opposites attract and then they react. Yep. I don't know. You tell me. Working together and building what we have built together, because it has truly been us has been very hard it's been very hard and uh, I don't discourage my friends from going into business with their their spouse but I tell them that they better brace for it and they better understand that it it changes the narrative it's very hard but she was driven too and had a focus and and had a reverence I love that word I love what it means. I love how it sounds. I love how it's spelled. How I love how it's shaped. I love everything about the word reverence, um, because we just because it's so rare. Yeah. And I, I think I love things that are rare. And she seemed like a rare human. She is a rare human. I've never, I haven't met many people like her. Um, I have not. And uh, and our and our path has not been easy. And we have reacted for sure. And it's been, um, yeah. That's wild time. But my, I'll, I'll, my first marriage uh, probably ended as a result of one of my business endeavors. Actually, the golf retail store. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, I we um, kind of different, but um, I opened that business January second of two thousand eight, which was the year of the housing crisis when it caused the economic collapse. When I graduated college and yeah. I tried to get a job with the NPR and I could not because there was nothing. Nothing was happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it was almost like a pandemic without anyone that's getting what I was sick. Saying. It's like it's yeah. like it's like everything just kind of stopped. Yeah. And I like opened I, up a business with a hundred percent debt. Fuck. And you know, new marriage and <laughs> oh, everything. No. And uh so like whenever I said I had a bad relationship with my retail experience, yes. it was just it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. Yes, I'm sorry. 
Oh, no, but it all leads to where it leads, right? And now, yeah, so I don't, I don't, and I, dude, man, I I don't know. I got to like do some commercials and like learn some audio video stuff back in the day. So yeah, it's fine. So, I mean, I, I, I ran away from, I didn't run away. I ran towards her and our future and left behind my entire life. I mean, the only town I'd ever lived in. I moved directly out of home, like my my childhood bedroom, all, all, like pretty much, yeah. to Emporia, Kansas, to this house on Rule Street. And then, of course, dude, the craziest shit is that we were originally thinking about opening a coffee shop, and I moved to town in August of 2006, two months after the very first DK200 with 34 humans, and I didn't know shit about it. Oh. And it happened that year. That's the first one. Because you weren't into cycling? or Not at all. Crystal oh. and her dad were Billy. Crystal's mom and dad, Diane and Billy, they're amazing, amazing people. And Billy had gotten into running because Crystal was incredible at running in, in high school and track. She was like two, like two mile, one mile was her jam. She was super good at it. Okay. And um, got like eighth in state her junior senior year you know in the two mile uh-huh. and her dad talks about it all the time so then he got into running he did a marathon and then his marathon buddy was like dude you need to check out some bikes like check out bikes so then he bought a trek immediately got he got the schwinn he got this seven like late 70s 80s schwinn that was way too big for him down tube shifters whole deal well, actually head tube shifters on the quill stem uh brown color schwinn varsity i think it was a varsity or latour and then he l- did this ride, loved it, went to Tailwind Cyclery in uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas, and then bought a Made in America Trek 2300 aluminum road bike with carbon fork, full Altegra 9-speed. I've worked on it very like many times and fell deep in love all the way. And then he was like, Crystal, I'll pay for half of a bike if you will come ride with me. And then she threw down half for this $700 Trek 1000, which we still have. Mm. It's at the shop right now. It's at District in this little storage spot. Then they begged me, like after we got together, they got me into running. Well, I was already kind of doing some running, actually. Me and John Hamilton, our uh, our roadie, basically, he was just in the recording, digital r- r- music recording program at Lebec Community College, and so was Ellis, so was Drew Jones. So, uh, I'm sorry, Drew and I, Drew and I, no, he wasn't. Drew and I were in the communication department. So was um, the other three boys who are also from Oklahoma. Doug, Ryan Shepard, Doug Dodd, Ryan Shepard, and Greg Shelton are all from Tishomingo, Oklahoma. Right. So you you drove through Ardmore, right, on the yep. way up? Yep. So Greg lives in Ardmore now, but Tish is just 30 minutes east of Ardmore, directly east. Okay. And they had been in a band called Solus since they were in middle school or some shit, like forever, like five years. And th- so then they move up to go to college and they come to LCC and they do this little recording session with a one-year-older student, Ryan Ellis, who had been in the pinups and Crimson Hero and 4PK and like all these other bands that we were all in growing up. And I was in Lesbian Gunfire. I was the lead singer of Lesbian Gunfire when I was 15. So I didn't become, I didn't technically like get into the whole Christianity thing until I was 18. So before that, yeah, it was, I mean, I wasn't like, I was 15. I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd have a Smirnoff ice every once in a while. I thought it was like the coolest <laughs> shit on the planet, but I was like terrified. Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we were, we had a lot of bands actually going on at the time and dude, 9,000 people in my town. And like, we had a scene and we could throw a show at any moment hmm. at any place in town and people would come. And so anyway, 
long story short, Ellis records them and then he calls me because I had just quit Desperate Pilot, the emo band that I'd kind of got in, gotten into after Lesbian Gunfire. And I had gotten, I'd met this girl and I fell for her super hard, not Crystal, and and decided like, oh man, I'm going to go down this path and started writing worship songs with her. And then I started writing like Dashboard Confessional kind of-esque style, not nearly as good. Songs for her, Kale, Kale was doing drums with me and he was just like, trying to help me do this thing. And then, and then Ryan's like, dude, these guys wrote this breakdown. That sounds like, uh, this song from Thursday. Do you know the band Thursday? They're yeah. fucking sick. I love you, Jeff Rickley. If you're listening to this, that'd be so, so tight. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and he's like, I think they've got something here, but they're playing in drop C tuning. It's like really low, really heavy. And like, if it's drop D and we had a synth, and like, if you wanted to play man, maybe. And then, like their drummer is the most Ryan Shepard dude. Like he ended up playing with a bunch of dudes from American Idol. Like anyway, th- th- he's incredible. We he's like, let's get together, let's figure this out. So then Greg's brother Brian was the worship pastor at the church in Independence, Kansas. Um, I'm sorry, youth pastor, and had the whole youth space open to us to practice. So our first practice ever was in Independence, Kansas, about 30 minutes from Parsons, and we wrote we wrote our first song in, at that very first practice. Like it was nuts. And that song ended up on our record and we, we vibed perfectly, perfectly. And yeah, man, anyway, then I ended up, you know, I went on one national tour. They went on another one that was like 30 days and I, yeah, man. So I don't know how I got on that, but basically I left everything I knew, everything I had going. I thought it was a path. So anyway, I, I I left seemingly something that was headed somewhere. Um, and the guys stayed together for a year and a half. And a part of the story, really short part of the story that a lot of people don't know, is that in October, so I left the band that summer, I moved on my birthday, August 15th, on my 21st birthday, and didn't even have a drink. Crystal and I went out to Kansas City that weekend, and I had my first Long Island iced tea, which I hated, um, at at the cheesecake factory on the in the plaza (laughs) (laughs) and she got a beer and we switched and yeah it was hilarious so anyway um i left all of that to to i really wanted to get my degree i wanted to graduate college i really wanted to i don't know why i just i had a i just had like a a big want inside of me and not a responsibility but i just i wanted to make it happen Sure. And so that was a part of the story too. And I was like, if I can be accepted into a four-year college, you know, to me, it was like, a, it felt kind of impossible at the time because I was a terrible student, dude. Yeah. I was in a band full-time. I had three fucking jobs, three. And I was running around like crazy all the time from one job to the next. And I had no money and we weren't making any money in the band. And so anyway, it just felt like this is, this is an opportunity to move forward. So I missed the band like more than you could have ever imagined missing any girlfriend that you've ever been broken up with or broken up with yourself. I was, I was a disaster. I can imagine because it's a like disaster. You can't do it without them, right? It's like a thing that can only happen when you're together. Exactly. And so it's like total aloneness in that way. I felt completely alone, and I, I worked at the info desk at the union selling stamps. 
And <laughs> so terrible. Yeah, it wasn't too bad because well, I got it's the only job I've ever been fired from, and the reason why is because I dove so far into bikes with Crystal that I did not do my paperwork for uh, what stamps I had sold one evening, and I asked Elena, my coworker, to do the paperwork for me because I was on eBay trying to buy a complete Altegra to buy drivetrain shifters crank but i was trying to get it for the cheapest price i could possibly find so yes i'm a bike shop owner now a like i believe in absolute retail and i believe in buying <laughs> from the retailer and the first bike i ever built was a early 90s cannondale 3.0 aluminum road frame with a steel fork that was fucking sick and i built it up i had matt brown at high gear i was Cyclery. a cannondale cad 3 yes so I was in love with Cannondale. Yeah. And so this can't this this bike had mine came from the Super V. My love for Cannondale started the with Super the Super V. The Super V is tight. Personally. So I I built so I tore all the down tube shifters off this thing and I put brifters on. I'll never forget how it felt. It was yeah. it was a quill stem, like whole thing. It was incredible. I loved it. Um I ran that bike into the garage on the roof of our O3 Jetta when I forgot <laughs> that it was on the roof rack <laughs> oh. right before we moved up down to Stillwater. Yeah, and I was so fucking sad. <laughs> That's a story that uh, everyone can relate to in some way. Some way, it's like you've either almost ran it into a garage or you have run it into a garage. Those are the only two kind of cyclists there are. I pulled in almost all the way. Oh God, almost all the way. And Crystal was in the car too, so like she forgot we went to Subway. <laughs> we got a Red Box DVD. If any, if you're like old, you know what a Red Box is now. I was at Walgreens the other day, and it, someone they're still they're, they're still, still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And someone was using it. That was the interesting part. Dude, I destroyed the garage door pretty much. I put four huge dents on the top of the Jetta. I broke the roof rack. I completely destroyed the top tube of the bike. Um, yeah, it was it was a sad day. I punched the steering wheel a bunch of times and said the fuck <laughs> over and over. And I was so pissed. And it sounded like a T-Rex was like ripping the roof off the car. And then you were like, I'm going to open District Bicycles. We were already writing the business plan at this point. So I fell in love with bikes. They, they finally took me on a 20-mile ride, and Billy was like, we're just 20 miles. We're going on a 20-mile ride. And I was so terrible. I canceled multiple times. And we were at home in southeast Kansas by Big Hill Lake. Big Hill Lake, is it's hilly. And so he puts me on that Schwinn I was telling you about earlier, like that Latour or that whatever it was, Varsity. He still has that bike, I believe. And, and he's like, we're just going to go for 20 miles. And I was in my big Nike pre-running shoes, you know. Um, and I'm in gym shorts, t-shirt, and we get going. And then, of course, this is pre-computer, you know, computer, pre-Garmin, pre-directions. And he's, he knows. What is it, like 2003, 2004? It was, uh, it was 2006. It was 2006. Okay. Yeah. Or, um, actually, maybe we'd went on a ride. And, yeah, no, it was 06 because it was like right when I moved to town because I didn't end up buying my own bike until and building it until that, that like, that 06 time. Yeah, okay. So, anyway, we... We go on this ride, dude, and we end up doing 38 miles. Oh. And I had no chamois on. Like, Whoa. We did 38 miles on the road. That's legit. Fell though. in love. Yeah. It changed my that That ride is responsible for pretty much everything. Was it just you and he? And Crystal. And Crystal. 100%. Yeah, all three of us. Just us three. No one else. So what do you remember from that ride? Everything. You remember e the whole thing? Absolutely. It was a perfect, perfect summer morning. It was gorgeous. There was no wind. Um, I could probably go re-ride the route not right now with no assistance. I know exactly where we parked. I know exactly 
how I felt on the very last mile and how I rode away from everyone because I was having the funnest time in my life on the 60 centimeter bike with the saddle slammed all the way down <laughs> and the shifters like almost at eye level because, <laughs> and it didn't fit at nothing. It didn't matter at all. And I was just on flats in this like borrowed helmet. And I was like, that's it. So at the time, I can't imagine that you um, understood what you unlocked, but now- I had no clue, dude. Now, I mean- Because I didn't know about, I didn't know about any of it. Yeah. Mountain biking, nothing. I learned how to mountain bike do you, with do Leland Dane. So Leland, here's, like, here, here's a legitimate question. What is it about the, what are we unlocking with a bicycle that we aren't unlocking in other ways? You are a runner, you are a, uh, you are, you are in a band and you are touring and, um, you know, I mean, you're still relatively young at this point, but I mean, I, I it's I not 20. only you, it's not only you, but it's like time and time again, I hear the same story. It's like click. You know what I think it is? I'd love to know. And I, I normally approach this as a joke. But I actually don't think it's a joke at all. The bicycle allows you to move through space and time at potentially the perfect speed. It's not too slow. It's not too fast. And most of the time, I mean, we, we have e-bikes now or whatever, but most of the time it's it's up to you, but you can also coast. And that's the part that's normally a joke. So we have a running portion of the event, right? And like our, my buddy, Troy Cowan down in Oklahoma city, he always says running's for criminals and that's fucking funny. Yeah. And, uh, well, my, my <coughs> friend would say, uh, run is for poor people because yeah. they oh. can't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, no, right. <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah, right. factually, uh, you don't need shoes to run. It doesn't cost any money. Correct. And bikes have this huge barrier to entry, especially now. I mean, they do I and think, they don't. I think it's getting better. I we hope could have so. a whole nother conversation. Be, I mean, there is I the so. 15, 20,000, but there's also the storm chaser that's six, you know, it's right. like. Well, now, and there's a three there's $300 bikes. So, right. I, mean, there's, I think the industry is figuring that out. I think so too. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you actually. But yeah. I think here, but here's what I think the click is. Yeah. It's the land. It's the land. We can't do this without the land. You can only see so much if you're walking. You can only see so much if you're running. You can only see so much if you're driving because you ha you, you don't you can't you don't want to run into something. The bike is our most incredible invention as a human race. As far as movement of the body exists. Period. Because all you got to do is either pedal it or balance it down up or down or flat whatever. And you can, with somewhat minimal, you know, body, you know, bodily training and physical prowess, <laughs> you can throw all your shit that you potentially own on a bike and you can go to Arkansas and you can try and ride 1,017 miles and you can fail at mile 700, but you can try. Or you can go in 2018 to the Tour Divide and you can finish. And you can ride the last 500 miles with 30 minutes of sleep the way Seth did in 2018. Yeah. yeah. And no, I, f I finished in 2016. Oh, and sorry. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, that's and, right. But, but we did it. We did it in 24 days and one hour. And that changed me in, uh, again, completely changed me. It changed my perspective for how small I am and how big the world truly, truly is. That's something that I was reading on the Tour Divide website. I mean, they're about to kick off, I don't know, here in a matter of days. And uh, so I was on the website. Dude, tomorrow morning. Oh, is it tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, I knew I knew it's close. Chris Tyler, shout out. Chris Tyler, Wheat State Winery. 
up in Winfield, Kansas. Him and Bobby Smith are, I helped him do his final pack two nights ago in Winfield. We got super wine drunk. It was very fun. <laughs> and uh, Chris is an awesome human and, and Bobby's doing it for the second time, I believe. And uh, yeah, they start, they're doing the Great Divide route from Roosevelt the from the border. Divide, the original. The original. OG. JP, JP yeah. what's up, homie? He's up there. I love you, JP. Jay Peterberry is up there for the umpteenth time to do the route, you know? Right. Um, Just he, coming off of uh, Unbound uh, XL, XL as well. So, yep. like, fresh third, off of that. Third place, right? Third Overall. Or fourth, yeah. yeah. Third or fourth, I yeah. can't remember. I think it was fourth. He's won it in the past. Um, so, yeah, dude, the, it's it's the ability to, it's, we can, you, I tell this to runners all the time, I'm like, dude, man, you guys should get a bike because you can coast. <laughs> it's sick. And you feel everything like yeah tailwind helps you run i'm sure it does but you're still running and i'm not saying anything anything bad about running but a I bicycle what you carries said about you the, further i think what you said about the perfect speed it's the perfect speed is what is where and maybe really seth has said that like i want to give that someone I've, else no, i didn't I, come up with that on my I've own i've heard that many times Me too. So it's, it, it's, it's it not, is though for real but 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 to to suss it out a little bit you're going you know fast enough to cover ground and see everything a lot more but slow enough to be able to immerse yourself you feel the heat you you know you're seeing the snakes you're seeing the turtles you're seeing you're seeing everything you you're know? feeling you, the ground you feel it you, you feel are it. in you the environment it. you know and with you move with it and and if we're going to talk about coasting you feel that you exactly. feel like oh i'm going downhill now oh, you yeah. know and and then when you're going uphill you're like i am climbing i am summiting this mountain like you are experiencing the terrain as you said so maybe it's those two things it's, maybe I think it's maybe more it's than like, one thing perfect yeah I, I agree it can't be just one thing no way I, because it wouldn't click like this right. and it wouldn't be so deep and and again like please 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 can we just keep coming back to this word of rev of reverence it's like what we all need to realize is that without the land we don't get this experience. When you ride a trainer inside, it doesn't click. No. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. I've no. done it. I, I don't even own a trainer anymore because, because there's no bad weather. There's only bad clothing choices. And I truly believe that. And the, the straight up and down, dude. Straight up and down. It is the land. The land provides us with the opportunity to, for this experience to be possible, period. And, the, and we, at the end of the day, we don't actually, we, I, I don't know. I struggle with, I struggle with ownership. I struggle with this whole conversation of stolen land with indigenous, you know, with rights, with, with where things are going. I, I, I'm not even educated enough right now to talk about it. Um, I agree with and, that. and again, and again, I think uh, a lot of us are learning and I'm learning. Yeah. And, and what I mean by struggle with it is that I have a, I have a deep respect for, this conversation of stolen land and 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 the land back conversation and um i am 100 percent in to learn more and to give native voices the platform and to just sit back and shut the fuck up because everyone else that has come before us or that has been a part of a native a native tribe knows that conversation and knows that history much much better than than a white very privileged male American 
could come to the conversation and give clarity. So like I'm ready sure. to, I'm ready to listen. Well, we have to because we're not we've never been in that situation. Right. And and right. And and not us specifically, but it's not a part of our heritage. No, it's not. It is the our heritage, dude, and I bet you can relate to this with me is that my heritage was I was ra- born and raised small town America. We feel sorry for anyone that was born in any other country. Do you remember feeling that way? Do you remember being like taught that to like almost be like America's number one and no other country is as good as us and it'd be a bummer if I lived anywhere else. And then I went to Denmark, dude. My mind was fucking blown. And I was like, oh shit. America is not number one. (laughs) Not even close. Denmark is ranked number eighth in like the rate of happiness of 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 their population oh really in the world huh. and and their gdp is off the charts and and it's 100% well the point being is like we are taught a narrative and that narrative isn't true right and the narrative is is taught by the victors and you know we're all subject to the american education system and it was a whitewashed education that we all received. For sure. And it's like you said, I'm not educated enough to talk about it. Not and yet. it's because you weren't educated in it. But it doesn't True. mean that you can't be open-minded and have open ears and an open heart to hear. I noticed something driving up here that I thought was interesting that I've never noticed before. So if we're talking about oh, like love opening up, well, it's nothing like, well, maybe it's kind of for profound, but like, Y'all have, um, I mean, even there's a billboard for electing a a, a local chief, re-electing a local chief, and um, there's signage that um, that you know says this is so and so land, and yeah, um, oh yeah, oh yeah, and, like and, like you're now you're now enter, in, entering the Pawnee Nation, yes, or you're now entering the Osage yes. Reservation, yeah, so or my, Cherokee or Iowa Tribe or Kiowa, like you you name it, yeah, because yes. they were literally forced here. Well, maybe you can help fill in the blank. Maybe we can learn from each other. Because, Not all of them, by the way. Um, of course, some of them were were here, but but a lot of the tribes were pushed here in the Trail of Tears in the 1830s okay. from the Southeast. So that may answer my question is that what dawned on me today while I was driving, and I noticed this as I was driving for the first time, and actually this is only the second time I've been to Oklahoma. So, um, Ever in your life? The last two few times, the two times I've seen you, the first two times you've ever been. Yeah. Oh no, you came to Thomas and Gabby's, Gabby's wedding too. Well, that's true. Yeah. So third time. Third time. Yeah, that's the first time we met. Yeah. That was tight. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. That was a good. I'm very grateful for that wedding. It was like a, a um, nice smattering of like all kinds it? of people in the bike industry. It was like a bike wedding. It was just. It like, was. It was so much fun. And I made some great connections there too. It was, uh, it was, it's fun. It's been fun to like circle around. All right, what was I saying about? Oh yeah. Oh, but in Texas, so recently I've been um, well as a result of all of this that we're talking about and just being uh, being more aware and trying to educate ourselves. I've been trying to educate myself, and there's a lot of um, you know white and Indian conflict where I live, like very close to where I live, like really? where. Um, Quana Parker, her mom, like Anna Parker, um, where she was uh, uh, kidnapped by the Cherokees uh, on that raid, the the on the Parker clan, like that's like an hour from where I live. So like Whoa. I, 
I've like developed a bike route to create, like I've actually talked to him, like the, the Ford and everything is still there and we're going to like camp and, and learn about the historicity and all this stuff. That's super cool. Right. It's cool. We're learning, right? We're, but where did they go? That's what I started to realize is like, there's no American Indians in Texas. I mean, there's not like a, a reservation or there's no signage. It's like there's a huge historicity with conflict and all this stuff. And I'm, and then on, on, on driving here, I'm like, but where the fuck did they go? Like we just kicked them all the way out. It's erasure. And I, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know anything about what happened in Texas, to be honest with you, but, yeah. but I'll tell you this because there are technically things are changing right now. Um, because of, of recent, huge huge um supreme court rulings that have uh, that have just happened with mcgirt and with a few other things that have happened that you can learn all about on this land podcast by rebecca nagel which i highly recommend she's from tahlequah oklahoma she's unbelievable she's of the muskogee she's of the muskogee creek nation dude it's a phenomenal podcast i had her slated as i got a hold of her and had her scheduled as the keynote speaker at 2020 mid-south and she did not come because of the pandemic and she canceled on thursday and i was like i understand rebecca but this podcast everyone should listen to and it's all about this supreme court case that basically they they boiled it down a lawyer boiled it down to what jurisdiction is actually at hand here is it the native tribe was it on native land or is it the state of oklahoma and it went all the way to supreme court back in 2020 and the supreme court ruled that like one third of Oklahoma is actually not the state of Oklahoma and that it should be, it has been promised in perpetuity by treaties as a reservation, but not one single foot of land in Oklahoma is technically reservation status because of the way that they fucked it up and took it away from them. And so the Osage reservation is not a Indian reservation in, or, or Native American reservation as we know it normally, like Navajo in New Mexico. And, you, you know, it's not the same way. It's not these sovereign res, yeah. you know, reservations. Here, everything is... They don't is, have the same rights. It's, that- it's splintered. And, and land ownership, is, it's different. It's completely different in Oklahoma. It's not surprising to hear. But it's changing. And we're trying, and they're, they're now trying to figure it out. And Tulsa, a majority of Tulsa, is tied up in this Supreme Court ruling. And technically, it's now reservation. And this is a uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Or yes. Is this- okay. Yes. All wow. the way. Wow. And, All the way. Basically. And, and uh, I believe um, RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on this. I think she, I believe she. This was like one of the last things that she did. Yeah, and um, not one, probably one, she did so much. So no, it wasn't the last, <laughs> but it was definitely one of the, it was, you know, towards the later time. And um, anyway, everyone needs to listen to this land. I, I really hope Rebecca, if you're listening to this too, that'd be amazing if you make it this far and because <laughs> we've been talking. But uh, I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent anything. And I, I hope that if, it, if there's anything that I've said that's offensive or wrong, I apologize. I'm, I'm learning, and I want to learn, and I'm so excited to learn. Um, I listened to all of that during the process of changing the name from Land Run to the Mid South, 
And man, if you want to go there right now, we can go there. Yeah, I think we should. I mean, I'm I'm curious. I mean, it obviously ties directly into this conversation that we're having and and about learning. And um, yeah, let's. This, all right. Well, I'm gonna pour. I'm gonna pour another Widow Jane. Bro, we're, we're in. You know why? Because we're deep in. We're all the way deep. in, baby. <laughs> the answer is yes. What's the question? <laughs> this is a deep love. Right. <laughs> another <now>. drink. <laughs> yes. So. Whispers, man. Whispers. This this name this name might be bad. This name might the, na- the, the name land, of land, land run. run might be offensive. And I was like, I moved here from Kansas. I don't know shit about this name other than the fact that I see it on all these signs all over town. These historical signs. Mm-hmm. It's like it's on like the front door of the police station. It's on this big welcome sign. It's like Land yeah. Run of eighteen eighty nine, Stillwater, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma began. And Oklahoma became a state in 1907, so it's like yeah. they're like you know it. Finally- you know it's crazy. Like in you saying that, can already hear the problem where Oklahoma began. began. And in that 18- is so fucked up. And there were already people here. And then right. in 1830, we forcibly we just removed. Pretend. We, right, it's erasure. God it's damn. incredible ignorance i'm sorry to skip ahead but no I it's just, totally fucked right yeah. no thank you i'm glad that we're now to the point where we right now right away that we are like nope this is wrong that's a good point it didn't yeah oklahoma as a state but not not the space not the land because borders are fake everybody they're Breach. we're all in this flying space rock together exactly and together. borders are just lines that are drawn in a map you can't see them you can't feel that. Pandemic them. should show us all that that we are all subject to whatever flying spaceship we're on yes. right now. Like we're all on it together, and we're all human. Yeah, and that's the one. And we have a common de- denominator between us. We we are of the human race, so none of us are better. Can't take that away. No, and I don't know. I think that, I think I've been on this path for a long time too because I am not possessive over things that I own, like, you know, guitars or bikes or vehicles or my home is wide open for my friends all the time. You know, my space is their space. My belongings are their belongings. District is a synonym for community. And I wanted the community to feel like they had ownership over this retail space. And that's why the first thing that we fucking bought ever was a couch and not a bike and not a point of sale system, not a cash register, but it was a couch. And I had a friend, a very close friend, who's also a business owner, tell me early on, he said, I can't wait until you do your dollars per square foot inventory calculation and the couch goes. And I looked him in the face with the most serious face and I said, you don't understand at all what I'm doing. And that couch is the brown couch in the shop. And we got it from Furniture Showcase. It's just right down the street from District in Stillwater. And that couch is never going anywhere. I don't want to take away from the track that you're on, but as a a former retail owner, I do want to just in life, it is hard to tread your own path. Very. Everybody is always telling you that is not the way it's, it's, you know, I I just wanted to commend you for that because it's not easy to put a because i i owned a retail store and i know that calculation that you're talking about and a couch doesn't fit into that yeah that couch first and foremost please let me say that couch has told more it has told and shared more stories and more love and more pain and more hurt and more tiredness and more connection 
than any sale could ever imagine, like could ever, ever facilitate. Yeah. That couch embodies everything that we have built. But the cool thing is, is you saw that from a very early stage. All the way. You committed to it, right? Like you, instead of like, you know, the first 10 feet is the most important thing in your store. And yeah, like the merchandise that. that you put there is like critical and like all these like yeah, no. selling strategies where like I read about all this stuff. Yeah. It's like the first thing a person does when they walk into a store is develop a castle somewhere they feel safe. And so they'll go there and like you don't approach them when they're in their castle because they feel safe there. And what they're doing is they're looking for the next thing that they want to like go and like touch and feel. And that's what they're really interested in. That's when you should go approach them. And then what are you talking about? <laughs> Not about this, but you start, you know, it's like I read all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And you were like, no, I'm I just going to put a couch. <laughs> I didn't read any of that. Do you know what I, I gave all the power to the consumer because they own, they have the wallet. I talked about this. I've, I've now led a few seminars at Quality Bicycle Products, Frostbike, alongside Toby DePas. And I just say straight up, like, your competition, and Toby, Toby brought this up. Toby was like, our, our competition is not, you know, each other the other bike shop like we're competing against best buy mm. target you know hot topic you know you name it like biggest retailers you've ever thought of that's who we're fighting against the and 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 even so the, the what the point he's trying to make and now of course online we're, we're fighting it's online we've been doing that for a long time the point he's trying to make is we cannot be elitist as bike shop owners or retail people and we cannot make people feel stupid. We can't make them feel like they don't understand what's going on. We can't make them feel less than someone who comes in who looks the part, sounds the part, is a racer, is a bike packer, is this, is that. No, because they have the wallet, right? And more importantly, we have, in my opinion, a responsibility to make that human feel like a human and to make them feel like they're worthy of the time and space and effort to talk about whatever the fuck they want to talk about, whether it's riding to the library or riding the tour divide or racing Tulsa tough, which is this weekend or whatever, or coming in and just being like, I don't get any of this at all. And I just want to be in this space. Cool. You don't have to buy anything and you can sit at the couch and you can sit at the bar and I don't care if you open your wallet, but they're in control because they decide if the place is worthy for them to open the wallet and give you their hard-earned money. So the first 10 feet doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I'm going to knuckle you right there. <laughs> the first 10 feet doesn't fucking matter. God damn, that's so good. Thanks. It is a human connection. And, and we need to understand that humans are worth spending the time on. And I mean, that's just, I've just been, I haven't been in like instilling it as like a course or like a, a prerequisite to work at the shop or, or anything at all. I'm just been like leading by doing it. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you're, you're at the pointy head of the, of, of the shop, right? Like you're setting the example. Sometimes, you and Chris Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she is definitely. And the crew is too, man. Like, I just want to give away ownership. You know, I want to give away responsibility. I want, I want us, I want us to be in this together. I don't want to, I believe to, in that. it's not a hierarchical thing. Yeah. Like we're all in this in together. Like I will, 
When I owned a business or I've owned many businesses, I've always owned businesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Sick, dude. It's like, it's like, I, I'll do the trash. You do the trash. You know, of course. there's no, there's no, I'm better than you. No. And I'm not doing that. It's like, I will wash the windows. You will wash the windows. I will count the till. You will count the till. Yes. I will stay up late counting inventory. You will stay up late counting inventory. Like it's all those things. All but, of them. But more than that, it's like, where I think you excelled really well and where I failed is that you approach business from a interpersonal yep. place and you didn't approach it from a, uh, you know, a capitalist. Uh, yeah. Like what is the square foot? You know, that's, yeah, no. that, it's like, uh, what's the cost of goods or what is the you yeah. know, dollars like, per square foot? Dollars yeah, per yeah, square foot. Yeah, thank right. you. No, yeah, sure. Sure. Like let's pack this place full and make sure we've got every single thing and yeah. and yeah and like make sure it's all and like which space but it all comes back to which, just who you are man yeah. you're a, you're a people person you you really like people i really do man they're like it, that's they're just incredible. kind of the thing is like like yes bikes are cool and all that but like you really just like the people i've said this a lot um it could have been anything i really thought it was going to be music yeah. and i said this at, at q at qbp once i said if you really truly are sitting in this seat right now and you don't believe that you could be selling anything to anyone, you're wrong. Like you could be. Like we all just decided it was bikes. Like we could do whatever we want. We have the choice. We have the free will. And we also have the expertise and we have the we have the energy and we have the we have the willpower. We can learn. It could have been anything, dude. Could have been real estate, could have been cars, could have been electronics god forbid it could have been insurance like something like terrible you know but it, whatever it could have been i know that the i could common, have stepped in the common solid. denominator people people okay yes thank you yes that's exactly what i told them no matter what it is you're doing no matter what profession you're in what are you doing you are working with people whether, whether you're reporting to them, you're explaining something, you're asking them to buy from you, you're buying from them, what are you doing? It is not just people, it's relationships. And you're building them. You're building customer relationships, you're building, you know, you're building distributor relationships, you're building, you name it, relationships. I have a relationship with my UPS guy. And I love him. And like, unfortunately- I, I remember my UPS guy, golf, John, et cetera, John, is, yeah. is Ray. I yeah, remember Ray, see? my UPS guy. Our I FedEx can tell guy you, changes a lot, but he, our UPS guy doesn't divorce. change. He got a divorce. Yeah. I know his kids. See? Yeah. See? Our I new, like people too. Our, I'm not as outgoing as you do. are, but I love people. No, I can tell. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be seeking people out to find out about these stories if you didn't. No, I'm and fascinated again, by them. And you're also really good at it. You're really good at this. I want to be equally as good at at letting people because, dude, the way that I I let people have complete control. When I'm selling a bike at the shop, I am not selling a bike. I'm letting that person decide what it is they want. My thought has always been, as a salesperson, it should be your job to inform the consumer and then allow that consumer to make the best decision based on whatever factors, money, their physical fitness, whatever it is. But the key, yeah. the key in my opinion, that all starts before you inform the consumer is you allow the consumer to tell you, to talk to you, to to open up, to feel comfortable in their own skin, to be themselves, mm -hmm. to, to know that they may not know everything or have the answers or know even what questions to ask. And you just say, what kind of writing do you want to do? 
Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. And like, do you know what kind of writing is even available? But like, what do you, when you were, before you came in here, you had something in your mind that you were thinking about that you had already created of, of, of a moment of you doing this. What does that look like? And then you shut up and you don't guide it and yeah. you let them go. And then you have customers sometimes go from Brian Bickle in Stillwater. He goes from, I know that I want to get into this, but I'm going to start with this Electra Townie and I'm going to lose this much weight. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to buy that Ty Warbird. And then he did it. And he lost I love that. over, I mean, he lost so many pounds, changed his life. He's done, he's done like a damn near like sub 10, sub 10 hour, like nine hour and change gravel worlds, 150 mile race. Now, like he, he became one of the fastest guys. Power of the bicycle. Period in the state. And, and, and it was because we allowed him to have control of the narrative and we allowed him just to tell us what he wanted and we didn't make him feel stupid for being overweight or whatever the fuck in the shop. And it was, it was amazing. It, it also speaks to how as a society, we don't listen enough, how we already have the answers. We already have everything you need there. There's you're coming in here. I'm the professional. I will guide you and I will tell you what you need. And, and, and there's some truth to that. There is, sure. there is some truth to that. And I would like to speak like yeah, my, yeah. my current, my, uh, my, my current girlfriend, like as I go through girlfriends no, sure. my girlfriend, Sarah, like whenever we met, she didn't ride. And the first time I put her on a bike, it, it was a catastrophe. I think I almost killed her. Oh, man. The, the second time she flew off the trail and, you know, got all bloodied and stuff. But like what I learned through that process is like, you know, she just went on her first overnighter by herself. Actually, this weekend, I every time I go on a podcasting trip, she does a bikepacking overnighter to just like show me. She's like just rubbing in my That's face. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's awesome, right? That's awesome. But the cool thing is, is that because of my knowledge and stuff, I was able to accelerate her learning curve and get her to where she wanted to go faster. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm totally there. I'm just, I'm just saying like the inception of the conversation has, yeah. in my no, opinion. No, no. And, and there's a million ways to go about it, but, but truly it's simple and it's giving the power away. Like we don't, we don't have to be right all the time and they don't have to be right all the time. It's a process and it's fluid. So anyway, yeah, dude, I come from, I come at retail from a very non number centric, like non very non capitalist in my hopefully in my opinion viewpoint because it is about the human it's yeah. about the it's about the relationship of the person and then and then again helping them make the best decisions possible so they can have the best experience and then have the you know the most success with whatever it is they want to do and then that's why we do group rides you know and like dude they're finally turning back on like group rides are coming back and well yeah and like everything's and like that so i i told i tell everybody yeah, this everybody too. i mean if you want to get vaccinated you can vaccinations let's are, go yeah let's do it oklahoma Get opened vax, it up to non-residents non-residents months ago they were like we have enough the, the tribe the tribes did it too man they were the ones that they acquired everything they put everything in motion they got the whole distribution set up the tribes made it happen for oklahoma oklahoma was way ahead of the vax curve of other major metropolitan areas on the coast and they were like let's go and then months ago they were like you're not even an oklahoma citizen we don't give a shit Come get it. Yeah. And so now, now we're all past. Like, let's go. Like, if you're, if you're on the fence, just do it. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm fully vaxxed. I feel great. Totally yeah. fine. Well, so anyway, like, if all it takes to get past that 18 months 
and there's some good things that came from the 18 months and there's some bad things that came from the 18 months. But, um, if all it takes is a, is a couple shots and then you can go and I can sit here in a campground with Bobby Wintle and we can like <laughs> freaking hug and talk and, you know, share yes. a whiskey and all that. Let's yes. like, like that is worth it to me. Like me that's too. a million times worth it to me because uh, it's like I was talking about earlier. I just cherish this way more than I did. You know what I'm saying? Like Dude, me human too. connection and me being too. able to just sit down and talk to people and like be like, fuck, God damn, we're still here. Okay. I know. Let's do it. Isn't this great? Buckle up. And and again, again, for me, dude, I, I love going to grocery stores. Like I love it. And <laughs> you and my girlfriend I, get along. I love it, dude. I love going to grocery stores. I just love the smell and the feel and like picking out things and I love it. And now I feel like I can go to the grocery store and I don't have to I'm not rushed. I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. I'm not like I don't feel guilty. Yeah. And and it I it's 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 blowing my mind. <laughs> it's fun. So I totally get it. It's exciting. It is. We're we're gone. We're gone. We're gone. We're gone. <laughs> three hours and seventeen minutes. Oh my gosh. We should let's let's wind it down. Let's do it. But I want to hear your side of the story when it was the first land run. It's 2013. Seth Wood was in a near life oh yeah. Collision. I mean vehicular manslaughter or whatever i mean yeah I, for sure. I, seth and i are actually talking on sunday actually i can't do the sunday thing with you i forgot um, that's okay it's okay because i'm going to be talking to seth wood and we're going to be talking more Damn. about all this fun not fun stuff but, but these important yes these important conversations about how we discuss and talk about incidents like this that are all too common in cycling which is cycling is getting hit and motor vehicle is not being reprimanded at all. It's like a slap on the wrist. But, okay, getting past all that. Yes. You not even knowing Dr. Seth Wood donated a, a percentage of your proceeds from the first year ever of Land Run. I was blown away by that, man. Like, that's truly touching. And it, and it shows to me that this family of cyclists looks out for each other. You know, it's like this guy I don't know who is injured in my community in a, in a crazy way. Like it told me a lot about you as a new business person, as a person who's like starting this race for the first time, like you were also thinking about this guy who got hit, you know, and I would love to just kind of hear your side of that story. Man. I don't remember exactly who told me somehow. I don't remember if it was after I met Seth again um, so the second time I met him, but I, I knew that he had only been in the shop one time and he had a chrome bag on and he had this chrome, this, this sexy human came in and he had this long hair and he had this chrome bag and he was looking, I think he was looking at lights. can't remember, but I, I remember just walking straight up to him and was just like, I immediately wanted to be like, you don't look like you're from around here. <laughs> and he wasn't, right? He's yeah, from no. Beaufort, South Carolina, which I didn't know about at the time. He went to Emory University. Him and Ariel have their PhD in American Lit. Like, they are two of the smartest and most centered, like, intentional, like, focused humans I've ever met in my life. And so, I felt that the first time he came in. I don't know if I've ever even told him that, but... I was just very like, 
oh man i get that this is a cool dude like yeah and he's got a and i compliment him on his bag i'm like do you sick sick messenger bag you know yeah. and we just started carrying chrome like we opened chrome right away and uh and we're carrying american-made messenger bags in the shop in a town where no one even pretty much knew what that who, what that was so i was like dude this guy has a chrome messenger bag how sick and of course he was looking for something i can't remember short interaction didn't get to know him didn't even get his name no idea who he was nothing boom gone and i find out we're still in the old shop at this time, by the way. Like we hadn't moved to our location we are now. We were on Maine, right next to Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. So we were seven twelve South Maine for two and a half years. And we lived above the shop there for oh a year, year and a half, whatever it was. And so we're there and we found out, hey, in- younger English professor um got ran over on his commute going to class. At the time, I didn't realize that he was listening to Moby Dick, but now I know what was actually playing through his ears. He wrote me a, a handwritten note in my copy of Moby Dick in 2014, so the next year, and he said, 2014, you, Moby Dick, me, Land Run 100. Whoa. I have that book still. I have not read Moby Dick, and he crushed Land Rome. <laughs> you still course. haven't read it? No, of course not, man. I'm terrible at reading books. I'm <laughs> so bad at, at attention span. I am span. too. So we find out that this is going on, and then we- I love re- your honesty, though. Yeah, no, for sure. Seth knows I haven't read it. So because he wants to walk me through it, and we, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I have to do it. He wants to walk me through every chapter. He's like, you read a chapter, and then we have a meeting. And then I tell you what they're saying. I'll do it with you. I've never read it either. Okay, yeah, man. Ishmael. If y'all want to have a book club, I'll do it. I want to know about it. Like, I want to know all about it. And it's almost like another language, dude. It's crazy. I haven't read it. It's very, very intense. All right. And Seth loves, loves Moby Dick and knows so much about it. And so um, we find out it's happening. and, and, And it's a little bit hazy. But at the time, I remember that, oh my gosh, this Seth's wife, this man's wife, Ariel, Ariel Ross is coming into the shop because she wants to get t-shirts for all the nurses from district because we raised the money at the race to help out with this guy. <clears throat> and we did it through like the raffle and stuff too. Like Kuat gave us stuff. We had tons of swag. And so we, I mean, just, yeah, just gave him as much as we could. And she wanted to give all the nurses in ICU district shirts because we just made ton of district shirts well we had them that whole time from the day we opened but we we always had them and it was we were hoping it would become a thing and it has it's been cool so of course we didn't let her pay for them we just gave them to her and she came in and that was the moment that we met ariel and that we connected and she just broke down and was just like i can't believe you guys are doing this we don't even know you and we just cried and like crystal and her like her crystal was closer to her in that moment and we were up in the front of the shop and no one else was in the shop and like i just ran and started grabbing like whatever size of the t-shirts she wanted and they were hugging and i and i gave her a hug and and it was like we'd known each other forever but we'd never met yeah that was the first time Mm -hmm. and we hadn't met seth yet i didn't meet seth until he was on crutches eye patch at rocky mountain chocolate factory outside the shop and he was talking about wanting to do this initiative to raise money to get bike helmets bought for kids in town and how to disseminate them anyway i couldn't believe that this had happened in our town i'd never been a part of a community where 
something that I was a part of so deeply and, and so committed to like something so tragic and so terrible had happened where someone almost had passed away and died. And, and even though he wasn't a part of like the crew yet, it just felt like because he was on a bike that we were connected. And so we just had exactly. to, we had to do something. I love that. We had to do something. I don't want to shine a rainbow up your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do want to acknowledge that that's a really nice thing to do. Thanks, Patrick. And I will gladly accept the rainbow up my asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look we, at maybe we edit that. It, it really does articulate for me how beautiful this community is. And it's almost as if I'm sorry if I'm getting too philosophical. Absolutely not. Dude, but we like, can't. There's, it's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, that the district and and the community here in Stillwater, including you, uh, adopted Seth and gave him a new <laughs> a new family. I mean, I've talked to him, so I kind of got his story right. And it's right. like it, but it's crazy to look at like, or it's not crazy. It's just it's powerful to see what this community can do it's it's a it's like a testament if we're going to go biblical let's go biblical it's a testament to what this community can do for one of our own that we don't know right that like stood out to me because like from my perspective i can look at bobby Wintel and be like man this guy has great hair he's got great hugs he's got <laughs> everything going for him and, but i don't i don't know you Right. You know, I'm like, I, I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know. I don't really know much about you at all, right? Other than whatever you decide you want to put out on Instagram. But whenever I heard that story, I was like, damn. Bobby was like giving a shit at the very beginning. On day one, Bobby was giving a shit, you know? And not only did you give a shit then, but you and your whole team, continued to foster that relationship to where it is today yeah. it's like it's one of the most amazing stories if not the most amazing story that i've ever heard since i've been podcasting i i literally mean that i mean it's like profound you know and it's a true example of what we can do as humans for other people and like how we can really like provide value to each other and I can only imagine what Seth Wood has given in return to you because I know that you've said as much. Together we are heavy. Polyphonic spree. Like, together we are heavy. Divided we are weak. Period. Period. And so, to me, the answer is always togetherness. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I... I I just, I want, if I, if I have, and I see that someone doesn't, I just want I want to give, I want, I want to give, I want to support. And I saw something when I met Seth too, like, let's go, like, let's go past it just a, just a tiny bit. He told me that they were like, we don't know if you're ever going to walk again. He was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here as soon as I possibly can. The hospital. Oh yeah. And like, he's told me the whole story, you know, like intestines being, ripped apart like i you know i've listened to his podcast too and i of course i know all those stories and he was just like no i am not a victim this is not going to define me this will not be the rest of my life i'm not going to be a victim and i'm not going to be in this rehab unit for very long i'm getting the fuck out of here yeah and it's like that fire lives in every single one of us 
period. It just does. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not very, I'm actually, if you want to really get to know me, dude, I actually struggle really hard with empathy and sympathy, both, because I believe that we are capable of much, much more. And my biggest ethos in my life is take care of yourself so you can take care of others. If you can't take care of yourself, everyone else is going to be expending all this energy to take care of you. If you take care of you, then you immediately are able to take care of others when they need it and vice versa. I, I want that to resonate for a second because it is so important to hear that we aren't taking care of ourselves no, we're not. well enough and it doesn't allow us Neither to am I. take care. And that's, Neither am I was I. about to say that is like, this is a this is a problem that all of us struggle with for and, sure and i know the problem is is that you are giving so much and there are so many demands on your time and those demands are good they're fun right they're, sure. fun, they're fun they're good profitable they're friends exciting they're whatever right but it comes at a cost when was the last time Bobby Wintle went on a bike ride completely by himself without his phone or anything or, you know, and just like went on a bike ride or whatever. I literally can't remember. All right. It's crazy. I can't remember. And I've been daydreaming the past few weeks, dude. I've been daydreaming, nighttime dreaming about packing up my bike, going to California, renting a minivan, and just no agenda. I love it. And I think I'm going to do it this summer. I think I have, I think I have to, and like, and I don't have to do that. I could do anything, but like, I just need to take some time and I can't, I don't think I can do it here. I don't think I can do it in any place like where I know a lot of people. And that's just something I'm learning right now. I'm just learning that the answer is yes. What's the question? But I also need to say yes to myself. Yeah. I got to, man, I got to do it and I want to do it can't imagine how hard that is to actually do though it's it's it is so somewhat hard. easy to say the words but to actually step away from all this like you're not here as an accident you're here because you've been working your ass off for a very very long time yeah, man. thanks and you're now you know living or reacting to the consequences or the reality of whatever you've built right yep and so to take a step away from that i can imagine it is extremely hard but i also think that it is important i think so too because like you can't you can't be a ping pong in this life and be happy right right like you need to be centered and know what you're doing and that's what i was saying earlier yep. about being locked up for 18 months is like oh yeah I, maybe that's what your your answer is is like maybe you know that you need to spend some time figuring out whatever the future is i don't i don't right. know right because you know? because we've and, been and, doing this for 10 years so now it's like october 27th 10 years of district yeah. now so now like what's how do how do the, the questions remain how do we sustain how do we grow? How do we stay excited? How do we instill passion? How do we just, how do we continue? And I, every time I travel, it's like the, all the clarity comes in. So what I want to say about Seth is he gets out of ICU. They go to Beaufort, back to his hometown. I don't remember the time frame. I don't remember how long it was, but he mm. had taught himself how to walk again. He only had, he had no peripheral vision. He only had one eye that he could look out of at a time. And I remember this specifically that he told me, he's like, 
they don't, they told me that I would maybe never walk again. And on that trip, he ran on the beach eight miles Wow. with scars and as a matter of defiance, it just, just to be like, I'm getting, I'm taking control back Mm -hmm. and no one is going to tell me what my end process looks like. And it's hard to be empathetic whenever you see people who have much more and they accomplish much less. Uh, Exactly. And I'm like, I I get it. So then, so then he came back and I found out about that. And that's when I, you know, we don't have to go down the story because he said it already. And other people that listen can, can listen to it. But that's when I had that green sparkle, green bass boat, green Krampus. And I was terrified to take him on his first gravel ride. And I took him down 19th and we were crossing. And I was like, am I causing him like PTSD? Yeah. Like he's on a bike with me. This is like his first. I took him to his accident site, you know? Oh yeah, I know. I know. Actually, you guys didn't like really dig in. I I can't believe you guys did that. Like that's incredible. And I've taken him. I mean, I've ridden down that road with him on accident. And he's like, what are you trying to do to me? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, this is where it happened. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just riding yeah. to the house or riding down by campus or to the shop, and I forgot, you know, because it didn't happen to me. So it was, I just forgot. I'd forgotten. Yeah. And I didn't know him at the time, too. So uh, I can't believe you guys did that. But that, that, was, that started the process. I was like, I just, I knew it was in him even before I knew him. And then his words and his demeanor and his perseverance and his, absolute just energy to not be a victim i was like man this guy's this guy's incredible and and i think he would fall in love with bikes so we went on that first ride on krampus and i was like just keep it till whenever like Mm. ride it like it's a demo bike we bought these as demos it it was the first time we ever had a demo bike at district and then what a better way to give a demo bike. Right. And then, <laughs> That's and, the best demo bike you've ever lent out. No, for sure. For, for <laughs> like sure. Like in a million yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then, dude, and then I got that yellow. Still demoing it. <laughs> yeah. No, he's got a black one. He fought, He bought that black one on his oh, own. sorry. And we built those wheels together at the new shop later. But uh, no, uh, dude, but then the Warbird started coming in, the new Warbird builds that year. And they were aluminum, had a whiskey fork. It's the yellow one. Two by it was like two by nine or something like that. I can't remember if it was Tiagra or whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> and no, I love bikes, dude. I love bikes. And so I remember it was a Friday social. So we were at a Friday social and I had built the work bar. There was a bar at the old shop. I'd built it. And this was before we moved to the new space. So not the same one, but I built it out of cabinets from Lowe's with these two by twelves that we pulled out of somewhere else in the old shop. And I built it up off the ground. So there are upper cabinets that I built this this base for them to sit on and I put kitchen countertops on it and we had low bar stools. So we have high ones at the shop now, but we had low ones and it was easy to get up on top of the bar. And I told Crystal, I was like, we're going to give Seth a bike. Like we're just, we're going to give him a bike. Like, why would we not do that? Like he's had the Krampus. He's been riding it. He's completely fallen in love. Like we went on that first ride together. Like, let's go, let's do it. And she was just like, okay. And so was that a big decision in terms of like finances? I mean, I mean, by the time that we'd become a salsa dealer, like it'd been a minute. Right. So like that was probably already, that was getting close to 20, that was getting, that was into 2014 potentially. So like, I don't know. 
again, I don't focus on the numbers. It doesn't matter. I don't know. But it was like, people it, but it wasn't, I I mean, it was something we had to talk about. It was the right thing. Okay. Yeah. It was something we had to talk about because yeah. it wasn't like, oh yeah, Maybe sure, now like, willy nilly, we're just like, gonna. just like give away a bike yeah. and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. <laughs> but we but don't. Like, but, but, that, but the point is, but, we don't, yeah. but, we, but the point is that we, we just don't. Yeah. I've given away, I, I think I can, I mean, it's I'm not a very gonna, good business model. I'm not going to name everybody, but it's not happened often. And uh, this was the first time, for sure, first time. Yeah. And uh, I said, Seth, come here. I'm like, come here. And there wasn't very many people there. Like, this was to no fanfare, no phones, no social media, no marketing plan, no bullshit, no fucking nothing. And I was like, come here. And he was like, what? You know? And like, you've met Seth, you know? So he's just like, what? <laughs> what? what are you doing? And I'm like, come here. <laughs> and he eye patched whole deal. And I was like, get up here. I got on top of the bar. And I was just like, everybody... Meet Seth. He's a part of our community now. And you maybe have known, maybe not. And I was like, but tonight, he gets a new bike. And people didn't even know what to say. Like, it wasn't even, honestly, that emotional or that big of a deal for anyone other than, like, Crystal and Ariel and him and I. Mm. And it was just like, this is your bike. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you don't need to ride that demo anymore. Here you go. And then he realized how much he loved the Krampus. And then that's when we built this black one that he did all the crazy shit on like gravel worlds and DK and put drop bars on it. And it's nuts. It's funny. It's so funny to see that the movement side to side. But um, I just, I don't know, man. I, he was given every reason to give up. And he refused. But you gave him, you gave him something. But he fought first. Yeah, y'all. It would, but it, I would I like to I, get his. T I'd like to get his. I wish he was here right now, and we could ask him. But I, I would, I would like to think that you gave him a home, and you gave him a purpose. You reached out to him, and can you imagine? No, can I you can't. Imagine no, I can't imagine. And that's why that I freaked he, out. That's that why I freaked he out woke so up much in the er and with all the response i heard oh yeah you know and like heaviness. ariel didn't recognize him you know like you couldn't he was so swollen that you couldn't identify him and and the guy no, that I he can't didn't imagine. know you know financially young kid out, oh oh yeah sorry yeah yeah but i mean you know no, reach out. it's like it's like he woke up to a new reality like it's like this community that he never really even knew it like the community he was aware of your bike shop but he wasn't aware of your community right and it was he also not there yet like the community yeah. wasn't like it was but not to where well, that's not, early not, days right right but not to where but he's been such an integral part in growing that community man safe ride that is all seth yeah safe ride on sundays the the very 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 beginner friendly ride at 2 30 on Sundays is literally all him. And the man is working all the time at the shop. He's got part-time jobs here and there. He's a professor on campus adjunct. It's crazy. So like, not only did we give him, yes, the opportunity to say yes or no to be a part of it, but he dude, he took it way further. Yeah. He took it, it way further. It, it, it shows the power of the community. It shows the power of the bicycle and what it can do and change in people's lives whenever it clicks, you know? Yep. 
and no one's glorifying obviously what happened with Seth Wood, but um, it 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 is a it is one of the most remarkable stories I've really actually heard. I love you for human interaction. It's I I just I love you for highlighting it and and reminding me because so much has happened that it's easy not to forget, but just to like. Well, you accept it. Yeah, and and it was, and we have to because it is our reality. Yeah, we lived it, and but what yeah, a I come thing. in with fresh eyes, and I'm like, you know, it's like wait nine years ago, and I'm like hearing it for the first time, and I'm just like, this is awesome, you know. <laughs> Double high five. Let me ask you another question. Yes, it seems we're at three hours and forty two minutes. Oh my gosh, we're going. This that told me that this was going to happen. This is the longest one ever. <laughs> I know. Um, he told me this was going to happen. <laughs> And I so, still have missed out on so many parts know, of the story. Dude. I know. It, we, I, there's like a thousand questions the, I haven't asked. The original asked. name of the bike shop was going to be Bike Love. And we even wrote all the business plan. We bought this, the name through the Secretary of State. And it was going to be Bike Love. And it was going to be Urban Outfitters, like branding and clean, cleanliness and style. Not like Bikes with Hearts. But it wasn't District Bicycles. It was Bike Love. And then we had a meeting with Corey Williams, who has been our landlord and a huge supporter of us for so long. And Corey was like, Bobby, I love everything about you and Crystal's business plan, but I fucking hate the name. And I was like, you don't know anything about bikes. <laughs> I didn't say right. that. I didn't say, I know, I know, I know. And so we were driving to Lawrence to go meet with Dan Hughes to go tour Sunflower Outdoor, Outdoor and Bike in Lawrence, Kansas. And I was just like trying to rack my brain about a name. Um, and we came to town and we looked around for like, neighborhoods or you know districts or places or things or whatever so my friend Britton Kuziak who had was in Emporia State he opened Volker Bicycles in Kansas City and right by KU Med on 39th in the Volker district and I was like we need a district to name our shop after like we need a space Mm -hmm. we need to like tie into the community and the neighborhood in some way and we went 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 and looked and we're like there's nothing here it's a small town we didn't realize how small it was for having such a big school because, dude, it's a small town. Yeah. And then we were driving and I just hit me and I looked at Crystal and I said, district. But not district cycles, not district this, not district that, district bicycles with an S, plural. District bicycles. District is synonym for community. All we want to do is build a community. Our business plan, the three-fourths of it is about community engagement and involvement and the rest is demographics, Growth of population, what we think we could sell, blah, 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 blah. Numbers kind of sort of like one fourth of it. And I was like, that's it. And she was like, damn, I think so. When, and then, uh, so thanks, Corey. I love you very much, man. And that was a really hard conversation. And I really appreciate you. What? So he wants royalties from our t-shirt sales, which we've been adding up, I guess, for like 10 years. What? It, what's your uh, oldest employee? Austin Turner has been with us since April April was nine years, and we're about to go 10. So what, like six months we were open? What about your him? second longest? Tyler. Time? How long? Tyler seems. I mean, Tyler's coming on six years now. Yeah. Well, like, actually, it's funny because it's so busy when he started that it's like it's hard to remember. It's hard to know. And then I mean, then right after that is Seth. And Seth's been there forever, too. Seth, I think, same time as Tyler, longer than Tyler. And it was a whole conversation of you know his job not paying him through the summer and to OSU because it's adjunct and I was like you don't need to find a job like you got one let's go so Seth's been working at the shop for I don't even know like we have to <laughs> look it up it's been forever and now Sally's going on three years and then me and Crystal of course have been there the whole time and um, 
yeah, we've only had, we've never, ever, ever done seasonal help and everyone's on salary pretty much. I mean, Seth's part-time, so he's not, but everyone's on salary. We've done benefits now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been wild, wild dude. And everyone knows everybody and we love each other and we are family and we fight and we party. We don't fight much, <laughs> but we do because everyone does. And like, we have struggles, but really, truly, man, we vibe and we support each other and we see each other. And like Tyler and I like can, I don't know, talk about music in, in a way that, that, that only him and I can talk about because we've both been playing for so long. And Austin and I, like Austin's like my best friend, man. Like I, I just, I love him. He makes me laugh so hard, so hard. And Sally like helps me make sure that I do the things that I say I'm going to do. And then she comes up with names like incredibly socially distanced Mid-South yeah. and, and grass routes. Like I think grass, grass routes or grassroots or whatever you want to say it. I think she also came up with that. I can't remember who or what, but man, like the team is unbelievable. So it's just like the brother that I never had. Let me, let me close it out. Maybe a little, let me try to close it out. I may be c completely unsuccessful. What I took away from all of that, not only from your telling right now, but just from the last time I came here and hearing Seth's story, yep. um, but also like hanging out in your shop and talking to Tyler and your other employees. And the thing that I, I put together was that all of these people have been in your life for like a long time, yeah. you know, and they all love you. They all speak very highly of you. Thomas Adams, Gabby Adams, you know, the, where we met for their wedding. That was the first time. I mean, though they speak highly of you, the people in your life that know you the best speak extremely highly of you. And that's whenever I was like, I want to get to know Bobby Wintle. So take that for whatever it's worth, but like, I know it's hard to be you, you know? I know it's hard to be like the guy that people are looking at. I don't want to be that guy <laughs> too much. But the fact that the people who interact with you over eight, nine, you know, years continue to work with you and continue to love you and support you tells me everything that I need to know about you as a human being. That's a really, really hard pill to swallow, and it's really heavy, and it's also very beautiful. It's the truth. It's the reason why I wanted to come back so fast to talk to you. It wasn't because of anything that you've ever done. It was because of the things that I learned about you from the friends that you interact with on a daily basis over a long period of time who love you dearly and speak extremely highly of you. It's not how many Instagram followers you have or no. the fact that you're the land grunt or Mid-South guy. Like, I don't really give a shit, to be honest with you. Good. Um, Me neither. But all the other things that I learned about you is what I wanted to come and 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 hear for myself. And I like you. You're like, like a really sincere guy. I like you too, man. Thank <laughs> I'm blown away. Hearing that is, I mean, of course, it's validation of like, doing it we're doing it right yeah we're doing it right and like people matter like really and i've said this time and time again man like of course everyone likes making money 
we, we all like buying toys. We all like having great stuff, fun things, going on great trips, eating good food. You know, you know, if we're afforded the, the luxury and, but that, that is not the goal. Like that is not the goal. It is not, it is not how many people can we move through these doors per day? I'll never forget it, dude. Trek was like, you guys need to get a, you need to get a door counter. Oh shit. Oh yeah. And I was like, fuck no, we don't. Why? I was like, I got enough shit to worry about. You think I'm going to like, look at that metric. And so like, they were like, yeah, when it dings, like you can, you can see how many converted, converted sales you had. So you can see how many people came through the door and you can look at how many sales you had and you can see how many com- con- converted customers you had that walked through the door. And I was like, why the fuck would I reduce humans to that? Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. So like, again, and I'm, I'm not going to reduce either like my friends or my employees to their productivity level either or their whatever. So, I mean, like, thank, thank you. Thank you. I, I, what I truly think it boils down to is not being afraid to say that I made a mistake. And or being afraid to learn. Right. Or take continue on. Or take responsibility for something that may have not even been my fault. Because it's like it's at my shop. So like at the end of the day, really, it is my fault. What's best for the team? Because we gotta take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. So what's best for the team? We got to take care of ourselves so we can take care of the community and then what's best for the community. And I think about it that way all the time. And it is not what is best for me and my bottom line and what is best for my bank account, what's best for my kids and their college fund or, or their cars that we need to buy them when they're 16, which I'm not going to do. Em, Emery, sorry, you're going to work for that just like I did. Preach, yep. Yep, yep, 100%. <laughs> but I don't is, give a shit. You're, you're, right. you're going to earn it. You got to pay for something. Right, exactly. And so the whole the whole thing, it, it is not this trickle down. It is take care of each other, take care of each other so we can take care of others. Period. All it. the time. And that has become... It's a mantra, but the thing is, is that you have backed it up not by your words, but by your actions. And if we're going to go biblical, I will say that ye shall judge them by the fruits of their labors. I could also extend that to the company that they keep and how they like talk and re- refer to you. you for know? sure. For sure. Because if they didn't want to talk or if they had something bad to say, like they either may like clam up a bit yeah. or like, you know, I mean, I know how that goes. So like, I'm, I'm correct. I'm, I don't know. I'm so, I don't know. I'm thankful. There, it's family, man. Like it's well, it's, family. it's a very nice thing. Like you touched on it earlier, but you have created your own idealistic life. You know, like you're doing what you love. Nobody's telling you what to do and who to sell to and all. Like you, you're in a oh, place yeah. now where you're kind of writing the life that you want, right? And, yes. You know, and so and to be validated wants- on not what you want someone to think you are or some, you know, business idea. It's just like, no, this is me pouring myself into something and you validating it is validating me. That's amazing. Together we are heavy. And together we can do a lot of good. Well, man, I'm really grateful that you're a part of this community. And I think it's important that as a part of this community, nobody's perfect, but we can all learn from our mistakes, especially in a fucking pandemic. Yes. <laughs> and give ourselves some grace. A little bit of grace. Just a little bit, man. A little and bit just, of grace. and just like, and just 
maybe say no a little bit, even though the answer is always yes. For yourself. <laughs> exactly. Because the moment you say no to something, you are saying yes to something else. That's a good point. I think that is probably an important lesson that I hope that we take out of the pandemic is, is there is value in reflecting with, yes, you know, it's like, I know I spent a lot of time. It's like, shit, dude, I'm here today because I'm fucking going balls out on bikes or death. Right. Yeah, like, you are. No, I'm I not, can tell. It's I'm not, so sick. I'm like, I was like real estate and this and that. And you oh, know, yeah. it's like, sick. fuck all that. Like, you have one shot at life. You get one opportunity. Eminem said it best. He's <laughs> not one wrong. One shot. Don't fuck it up. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. My dad died at 58 from cancer, you know? It like, can happen it, at any moment, dude. It can happen anytime. Tomorrow. Like, what are you going to do? Is not guaranteed. YOLOing the fuck on yes. life or death. Let's go. You know, let's go. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell, and I'm I'm all I'm all the way in, and so is Seth. Like we're all in for this. This is sick. And Andrew, from you know Ozark gravel cyclist, I screw up his last name. Like Honorma, Honorma, yeah, yeah, man, man. Like we're in. Like we get you. We see you. And this yeah, is sure. this is you're really good at asking questions. And yeah, man, uh, Mac Miller. So you said Eminem. So I don't know. I thought about Mac Miller. <laughs> and Mac Miller, I saw this quote. I saw this quote, and this is somewhat re relevant, but maybe somewhat not. But he was like, being in love, the perception of that, being in love is not cool. It's not cool. It's like not a cool thing to do. Yeah. To be vulnerable. Yep. To be open. As a man. Oh, no, not just a man. Just I don't know from a just, woman's just, perspective. I don't okay. either. He didn't say. Okay. He okay. didn't say. He just said being in love is not looked upon as like a cool thing it's like no man like um no i could be i don't need i don't need somebody like i can be independent and i could see like the circles that potentially he would have ran and i could see i could see what he means mm -hmm. and he said but i absolutely fucking disagree being in love is the coolest thing on earth and i agree like i'm a hopeless 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 romantic and i just i tie myself deep 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 with whether it's a band that I'm in love with or like a route that I'm in love with or a bike that I'm in love with or a person or a family or, a you know. You're yeah. a passionate person. Absolutely. You're, you are driven by your passions. And you're he is absolutely right. Like you said it a second. What made me think of it too is that you're like, you're not letting anyone else write the story for you. And like the moment that we let perceptions similar to that no matter what it is like the overall idea of like what is cool what is acceptable and then we change ourselves or our path or our decision making process because we want to align with whatever says is this this is the way or this is cool or this is acceptable fuck that be yourself no matter what that means i love the quote be yourself everybody else is taken Yes. I mean, it's so simple. It's uh, uh, Leopold, maybe? Man, that's really good. Be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And it's it's difficult to be yourself. And there's and, and you're good at it, I think. I mean... It doesn't uh, come without struggle, but... Yeah, Lael is another person yes. that I look at, and I'm just like, 
I look at y'all as like examples of like people that I'm like, okay, they're, they're pretty comfortable in their skin and yeah, we're all fucking imperfect, but it's like, there's some okayness with the vulnerability of like putting your imperfections and everything else out oh, there yeah. in the world. You know, I'm new to all this. Like it's totally, like, I've I'm never like met kind of like more in the public eye now. I've never met Leo. Never. I've oh, met her three times. The first time I ever. Oh, I got the, your ass no, kicked yeah, on one thing. Yeah, baby. <laughs> the first time uh, that we were in the same space was this Saturday at Unbound at the uh, award ceremony. Oh, cool. And I was like, oh, damn. Lael's like 20 feet away from me, and we have never met, never spoken. And that's the closest, like, and I. I, I, I am I, lucky with that. No, it's so cool. And I really wanted to. I really wanted to meet her, and uh, it, it, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't force it, didn't make it happen, but it'll, ha it will happen. Um, hey, Bobby, she, I yeah. got you, bro. Tight. Let's I do that. You. Let's do it. Let's go. I'll, just, I'll call my girl Leo. Tight, <laughs> tight. It's pretty wild. Um, it's a great community, though. It's so good, man. Our bike packing community is because because we're majorly a part of that too. Are are full of unbelievably inspiring human beings. Yeah, it just we're chock full of them, man. There's a ton of crossover between gravel and bikepacking. Oh, mean, yeah. They, oh, mean, yeah. And it's starting to like, the lines are getting blurred a little. Blurred it's and really, blurred and blurred. Really sick. Yeah. It's really sick. And I hope it just keeps getting more fuzzy because like, why not? Everything is, gets a little better when it's fuzzy. <sighs> yeah. I think definitions and like fitting people in square pegs needs to kind of go away yeah man let's it's get like, out of town we're all just cyclists we're all just like doing the same right. thing in different ways why do we have to define it so much and make it divisive and you're doing this and i'm doing that it's like god damn can't we just all go ride our bike together we are heavy again like yeah. it's just the way that it should be all right brother all right dude i mean we could do five of cheers i cheers honestly i i know we could we're like literally three minutes, 59 seconds, wait, 59 minutes and 20 seconds. Perfect. Let's, yeah, let's make sure it's how, just barely under. How far did dude, we make it on the widow? Dude, the widow is, we're, we've made three fourths of the way through this handle of Widow Jane. I got to be honest. I think we're like keeping our shit together pretty well. I, I agree, man. I feel, I feel pretty solid. This is actually speaking, I'm going to cut this out, but this is speaking to the fact that we've been drinking too much during the pandemic. <laughs> dude, we can keep it in there because I think a lot of people will relate, but yes, yeah. dude, I have been drinking way yeah. more than ever in my life during the pandemic. I did a dry January the last two years. Good for you. Yeah. I did not. Because, well, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a history with uh, alcohol and drug addiction and substance abuse oh, yeah, and sure, all that sure. stuff. And I mean, a lot of people do. And so I'm like, every once in a while, it's like, okay, check. It's I'm going to just put checkmate. Okay. Do I got this? For sure. I got this. All right, buddy. Yeah. Man, four hours. Love you. Boom. Love you too. Thank, Thank you so much. Dude. Uh, my pleasure. You surprised me with your questions and I want to encourage you to keep doing this because I think you're incredible at it. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. You're welcome. I will not stop. Good. The same way you wouldn't stop or Seth wouldn't stop. Cheers to that. All right, buddy. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's crazy that you can talk to somebody for four hours and it was a four hour conversation. We edited down to like three and a half, but I mean, it's just crazy. I could have talked to that guy for several more hours and and we did we after we hit re stopped recording he he camped there uh we were at lake mcmurtry there uh outside of stillwater and um yeah he he stayed the night and we continued to uh drink and chat 
uh, until the wee hours of the morning. Anyway, I don't know what else I could say about Bobby other than I'll just say that it was truly an honor to uh, get to meet him, uh, get to feel his presence, his vibe, and really get to know him. And I got to thank him for just being so vulnerable and so willing to put himself out there, discuss any manner of things I wanted to talk about and, and do so honestly and authentically to himself. So thank you, Bobby. Thank you for being a part of this community. And uh, yeah, man, just keep rocking it. All right, everybody. Well, I just want to give you a, a last reminder that if you're interested in signing up for the Bikes or Death After Party episodes available only to patrons, you need to head over to patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. You can find out all the information about what we have going on there, all the initiatives. I mean, there's a lot going on for patrons. We've got patron perks that gives you discounts to places like Ride With GPS, Rockgeist, Hefe Bikes, and so on. You also get discounts to the web store. If you're going to shop at bikesordeath.com, you get discounts there. You get access to the new patron-only podcast, Bikes or Death After Party, and you help produce this show. That's the most important thing. It costs a decent penny to produce this show, and I am not a wealthy man, so I can't do it without y'all, and I've got to say, y'all have been stepping up big time lately, uh, which is really great. We are getting closer and closer to, you know, making this my full-time job, but, you know, aside from that, just like legitimately being able to afford uh, the luxury of traveling and capturing these interviews one-on-one, to me, that's where the the big value is, and I want to keep doing that because they result in four-hour conversations with Bobby Wintle that you just wouldn't get if it was over Zoom. You know, you're not going to sit there and share a bottle of bourbon and just like talk and talk and talk and feel each other's vibe in that same way. You just can't recreate that. And that's the direction I want to keep going in. And and gosh darn it, we're doing it. We are really doing it with your help. So if you want to be a part of that and help make sure that these episodes keep coming in a timely fashion, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. All right, everybody. Seriously, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this episode. It was so much fun getting to just get to know Bobby on that level. And I hope you enjoyed it too. Now, if you aren't already, go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. 